Full credit to the boys is brought to you using quality microphones and interfaces from Rode Microphones. Australian owned and operated, Rode products are world-class audio equipment. If you're creating a podcast or making music, you need Rode on your side. Rode Microphones, exclusive audio sponsor of Full Credit to the Boys. This week on Full Credit to the Boys, Mary McGregor finds an immunity idol, Josh Reynolds threatened to bash an old man and we couldn't be happier, and Channel 10's Michael Caine swings by. Welcome to Full Credit to the Boys. Well, hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Full Credit the Boys live from the Craig Gower Quarantine Studios. You can find us on Twitter at FCTTB underscore podcast, Instagram, FCTTB podcast, all one word. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at former underscore legend or search the hashtag bloke that looks like Chris Hemsworth. Uh, you can find the bloke to my right on Twitter at Sid Punts, all one word. He's a man who this week declared he will never go to church unless he can use tear gas. He stood by his mate Sam Armitage at a clan meeting and tonight... He's wearing the new loungewear from Fashion House Inactive Man. Welcome, Sid. Yes, thank you, former. Hello, Australia. Hello, world. I've got to say, poor Sam Armitage. <laughs> she cops a bad rap. We've got more to talk about uh, her later in the show. Um, I've also got an, a big announcement to make. Oh. Um, not sure how much longer I can go on with this facade doing a rugby league podcast when <sighs> I actually don't really like rugby league anymore. <laughs> Since the Tigers lost to the Gold Coast. Or as some um, idiot on, on Grabber Mirror said, the go- Grabber Mirror, the Tigers who lost to the bye. That's not funny, mate. That's not funny. <laughs> None of it's funny. <laughs> oh, mate. I've got I more, <laughs> more to say about it later, but, jeez, it's been a tough week, man. Uh, go on. Just go on with the rest of the show. It could be me last. This is Brian Henderson. I'm Alan Jones. I'm Vivian Chin. This is Kent Brockman. I'm on Burgundy. The stories that will hit the headlines tomorrow. Maybe I'll just come in for the dick stories each week and then <laughs> see myself out. I thought hanging out with Sam Arbage would think it was going to bring you down, but, <laughs> but it wasn't. No, I meet up with her once a week at those meetings. <laughs> Actually, twice a week at AA meetings as well. The white and white and the brightest brights. Um... <laughs> what about that? <laughs> I don't think it's... Uh... I think it's the AA meeting she goes to. It's more Weight Watchers meetings, but whatever. Oh, <laughs> you went there. Our, new, our first story <laughs> comes from the Gosford Advertiser, and it's, um, well, here comes a roller coaster ride. Spain porn star held after man dies in toad venom ritual. This is great that the Gosford Advertiser's covering this. <laughs> um, a porn star has been arrested on manslaughter charges following a man's death during a mystic ritual in which he inhaled psychedelic toad venom. Spanish police said on Wednesday. This story's got everything. Nacho Vidal. Um, <laughs> I like his brother, Burrito. <laughs> she so wish my mum would have called me Nacho. That is a sick name. From now on, I want to be called Nacho. Uh, I'm calling you Taco. Um, 
and a soft one too. Uh, <laughs> around the guts. Um, Nacho Vidal was detained last week in the southeastern Valencia region in connection with the death of a man in 2019. Now, I did some research search onto Nadal. Uh, Nadal. Oops. As soon as you, <laughs> Nacho, Vidal, not as Nadal. As soon as you saw a porn star, he went straight into research mode. Well, I get this. I checked out his Twitter account. It seems that we have three other accounts in common. Yeah, okay. Angela White. Yes. Pornhub. Yeah. And at Sid Punts, whoever he is. Now, <laughs> he's an interesting bloke. Nacho Punts. <laughs> He's, he's an interesting bloke, this bloke. He seems to be selling a lot of sex toys and other uh, adult-related paraphernalia, from what I can tell from his Twitter feed. But his IMDB makes for some interesting reading. Okay. He's been in the movies, and I, I'm not making any of these up. Um, sloppy Squirting Squatter. <laughs> Anal in the Dark, which is the best way, I reckon. Uh, fishing well, you don't for- reckon you can feel it as much? <laughs> fishing for Pussy. <laughs> Uh, which Rex Hunt, I think, was in. And um, they kiss it before you throw it back. <laughs> she said, blow me. <laughs> wow. Um, also okay. interesting on his IMDb is his biography. And uh, it reads this. How's this? A true wild man, whether in front or behind the camera, Nacho Vidal seems destined to become one of the real legends of modern-day hardcore. He's certainly gotten off to a great start and already ranks among the handful of most talented male stars around. Now, the biography was written by username Nacho Vidal. (laughs) (laughs) He's sort of like you give yourself his own nickname, (laughs) Ace. Long prong. <laughs> I love this guy. Um, media identified the victim as a fashion photographer, Jose Louis Abad. That went real Abad. Um, the police operation began following the victim's death during the celebration of a mystic ritual based on the inhalation of venom of the Bufo Alvarius toad, a police statement said. As always say, Sid, if you're inhaling the venom of the Bufo Alvarius toad, uh, to get high, you've officially tried everything. You do um, always say that. <laughs> the toad, a rare species which is native to the Sonoran Desert, uh, stretching from northern Mexico into California, Arizona, secretes venom containing a very powerful natural psychedelic substance known as 5-MeO-DMT. Its effects have been compared to, uh, is it Ayahuasca? Sure. Let's go um, with that. I was reading about this the other day, actually, yeah. Ayahuasca. That's another. That's a topic for another day. Um, it's a powerful hallucinogenic. Go and concoction. check out Mike Tyson talking about all uh, of this. Ayahuasca. Uh, this and the cane toad. I think uh, Ro- he, um, Rogan and that do ayahuasca. Oh yeah, he loves the DMT, Rogan. Yeah, but uh, Mike Tyson actually burst into tears. Remem- that's right. Remembering the fifteen minutes that he was on this. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, it's a good watch. Someone said they did Ayahuasca and they lived their life in fifteen minutes. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> um, most it of wasn't that was, very exciting. <laughs> most of it was doing the IGA mopping, but anyway, yeah, whatever. <laughs> just mopping, mopping, mopping. It's uh, following an eleven-month inquiry. Police inve- uh, arrested Vidal. Um, yeah, let's not forget someone died here. Let's yeah. get serious. Uh, <laughs> this is where you come for all your serious crime news. Uh, one of his relatives and an employee on sorry, following an eleven month in, uh, inquiry, police arrested Vidal, one of his relatives, and an employee on suspicion of manslaughter and crimes against public health. Investigators said they had discovered such rituals were being carried out regularly on grounds uh, they offered med- medicinal benefits, but in reality, this apparently harmless ancestral ritual posed a serious health risk, alluring people who are easily influenced, vulnerable, or who are seeking help for illnesses or addictions using alternative methods. 
Uh, local press said that the ceremony took place in the country residence of Vidal, a media-savvy porn star in his mid-40s, whose Twitter feed is full of ads for his 25-centimetre aromatic candles of the male genitalia, available in black, white, or a wonderful cerise. Uh, the, aroma, the aroma of these aromatic candles is described as the scent of the Sydney fish markets after a long weekend. Wow. That story had absolutely everything. The only thing better than my name being Nacho Punts <laughs> would be to have my LinkedIn profile saying, Nacho Punts, media savvy porn star, <laughs> mid-40s, buy my dick candles. It's amazing. But this is a serious matter for me. Someone died. It's not funny. No, it's not. Actually, it's fucking hilarious. It's Darwin's theory of survival of the fittest. If you want to go smoke a toad or eat a bat in a wet market, you deserve everything you get. But yeah, as I said before, go and... Google Mike Tyson talking about the time he smoked toad poison. It's uh, fascinating. FCTTTB sounds like too many T's to me. FCTTTB, yeah, that's definitely too many T's. I'm glad you mentioned Google because there's a little bit of homework associated with this story. Yes, I already um, did it last night. <laughs> and it comes from the Ulladulla Independent. And the story, the headline reads, Politician strips naked during government Zoom call thinking camera was off. Yep. Yeah. Don't get excited because... No, I did get excited. <laughs> I went down a rabbit hole. But a, go on. A Mexican senator has issued an apology after she uh, was caught getting topless on a government Zoom conference. Martha Lucia Misha, 66... <laughs> Was unaware her camera was still on. I was unaware that she was 66 when I Googled it. But anyway, uh, when she started to get changed during the live meeting last week, on the call were members of the National Regeneration Movement, uh, political party, and the Bank of Mexico, and journalists who were discussing the impact of the coronavirus pandemic. Follow, sorry, however, an unknown attendee leaked screenshots of Ms. Misha's unfortunate mishap, uh, which later did the rounds on social media. They certainly did. Following, uh, <laughs> very round. Uh, <laughs> following, sorry, yesterday an unfortunate uh, incident occurred during a virtual meeting with fellow senators about the current economic situation in Mexico and strategies to confront the new normal over the coming months, Ms. Misha said in an open letter she shared online. In one part of the session, without realising, uh, and while the camera of my computer was still on, I got changed, uh, showing my naked torso. I carried on participating in the session, and thanks to a call from Senators Alejandro Armenta Mier and Ovidio Peralta Suarez, I <laughs> very realised... Good, very good, very good. There's no error in me, mate. I realised my error... <laughs> The senator went on to offer an apology and blame the mishap on her lack of digital communication expertise, uh, like Aaron Mullen. But Ms. Musha, who is also the president of the State Commission of Gender Equality, was also forced to defend her body after her after cruel comments about her appearance and physique began to circulate online, thus, thus destroying about two pages of jokes from at former underscore legend. <laughs> and what I've got to say is... God, men are pigs. <laughs> I actually, uh, are you finished? No, because I just want to say it made me Go think. On. Which politicians would you like to see strip off in the middle of a Zoom meeting? Amanda Vanstone. <laughs> well, here's a few names our listeners might like to Google from around the world. Uh, Michaela Vittoria Brambilla. Wait, wait, wait. I'm writing from, this down. From Italy. Uh-huh. Carla Bruni from Italy. <laughs> Nicole Manetti. 
from Italy. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Maria Cafagna. How do you spell Cafagna? K- Doesn't matter. I'll Google it. From Italy. Yeah. And Julia Bonk from Germany. Now, what about Chicholina? <laughs> I got past it. I thought it was obvious. Yeah. Now, I know many ladies would actually like to see the dreamy Justin Trudeau stripped down, or maybe Mexico's Enrique Pina Nieto. But I might be a bad judge of what women like, but surely you are. The great man Kim Beasley comes to some of the ladies' <laughs> minds, as would Clive Palmer. What a rare treat that would be. Oh, yeah. We all know your uh, fantasy about a certain redhead in politics. <laughs> Um, I didn't see the, the comments that were negative towards Ms. Micah, but... Uh, it wouldn't have stopped you anyway. I saw the photo, big cans. She's got big cans. <laughs> one of my favourite things out of this global pandemic... Like tennis ball cans. <laughs> anyway... Not those three ballers, a six baller. One of my favourite things, I'm moving on out of this global pandemic, is that people are working from home using technology and not really grasping how it all works. Sure, millions of people have died from COVID-19. Businesses have gone broke. No one can travel due to this bat flu. But how fucking funny is it seeing someone get their cans out in a business meeting because they don't know what they're doing on Zoom? <laughs> and uh, as I said, I went down a rabbit hole. There's been heaps of examples. Uh, a chick called Jennifer forgot that uh, it was a video conference, thought it was audio only. She got up and went to the dunny, taking her <laughs> phone because she's still got to listen. Didn't realise when she dropped her strides and started taking a dump that everyone was watching. <laughs> She only cancelled the Zoom feed. The old monkey, monkey's tail hanging she, in the back. <laughs> she thought it was only audio, but she only cancelled the Zoom feed when she had to let out a big fart. <laughs> and it's it's all captured on video. Even her leaning into the fart before she hangs up. It's great. Go look up Jennifer Zoom fail. Uh, um, when it's all over, this whole pandemic caper, we should all still work from home over Zoom. Mm. Um I can still call for a clean up on aisle three from the comfort of the Craig Gower quarantine studios, <laughs> I reckon. Our next story comes from the Katoomba Daily. Uh, it's couples told to wear face masks during sex during coronavirus pandemic. Now, a new study, because uh, who funds these studies and other news, uh, from researchers <laughs> at Harvard University says that having sex carries some risk for transmitting COVID-19 from one partner to another and recommends, among other practices, wearing a face mask while doing the deed. Uh, The research published in the Annals, that's right, Annals of Internal (laughs) Medicine, uh, that's right, internal, uh, ranked frisky situations based on how likely it is to catch coronavirus while in the act. Tell you what, I've never... Never wished I was at uni until right now. Um, researchers recommended wearing a mask for the riskiest sexual scenarios, um, sex with people that you aren't quarantined with. If you have an out-of-house coronavirus crush, the study says that besides keeping your mask on, you should avoid kissing and anything that involves semen or urine, which that takes all the fun out of rules everything. Rules the Germans straight out. Yeah. Um, didn't mention poop. Uh, shower before. You put 
uh, glad wrap over your coffee table. <laughs> right. Uh, shower before and after, which rules you out, Sid. Yeah. Uh, and clean the space with alcohol wipes or soap. The study also mentions that having sex with people who are together in quarantine is safer, but there is still a lot of risk. For instance, if one partner goes outside to run an errand, which rules you out again, yep. and is exposed to the virus, they can transmit it to the other. Even if that person is ultimately an asymptomatic carrier, it's easy they, for you to say. they can still infect the other. Um, ooga booga ooga booga. <laughs> The safest sexual approach to sexual activity, sorry, the safest approach to sexual activity, according to the researchers, is to not have any sex at all, which makes Australian men, at former underscore legend, the safest man in history. Uh, Abstinence, they say, is low risk for infection, though not feasible for many. Another option, they say, is to masturbate, which makes Australian men, at former underscore legend, the safest man in history. Uh, other recommendations have come out since the coronavirus outbreak in the US, with some of them providing graphics to enhance the lessons. Uh, in April, the Oregon Health Authority released a sex guide that went viral, that's right, viral, just weeks after the same happened to one released by the New York City Department of Health. So you keep bringing yourself up in these uh, health advices. Uh, if anyone should wear a mask whilst having sex, it is you, and that's just for the female who has to look up to you. Mate, I've been asked to wear a mask during sex most of my life. <laughs> well, NRL round four. We're into June and that means round four, Sid. And we started on uh, Thursday night when the Roosters handed the Broncos their ass uh, 59 points to nil up there in Brisbane. Uh, the Broncos' all-time losing record margin has lasted just five games after being hosed by a rampant Roosters team in a 10-try shutout. Unbelievable. In last year's semi-finals, uh, Brisbane were beaten 58-0 against Para, but a Luke Keary field goal set a new record for the Broncos, who must have been elated that there were no crowd to witness the debacle. By halftime, it was 29-0, with the Roosters refusing to take the foot off the throat of the Broncos, racking up another 30 unanswered points by full time. And all this happened without James Tedesco, who failed a COVID temperature test. Well, you know, former, there's nothing I like more than an early field goal, <laughs> except perhaps an arrogant field goal. <laughs> and so it was, up 28 blot, Kiri decides to rub it in with a field goal in the last minute before half time to really embarrass the Broncos. They could have then eased off in the second half, but that's not the Roosters' go. That's the Tigers' go. They did even better in the second half, scoring 30 points. But as good as the uh, Roosters are looking, questions really need to start to be asked about the Broncos' players and the coach, Seabom. Well, just uh, back onto the Kiri field goal. Yeah. There are some speculating that uh, that was Kiri having a crack at Seabold after he said, we won't miss him when he left South. Interesting. Here's another one point to your, uh, into your throat. Now, in his fantastic weekly blog called Making the Nut, uh, former Full Credit Boys uh, guest Nick Tedeschi has uncovered some telling stats about Anthony Seabold. Representative players who have left the Broncos under Seabold's watch include Josh Maguire, James Robert, Cody Nikarima, Jordan Kahu, Andrew McCulloch, Players with more than 40 games experience that have been signed under Seabold, James Seguiara. 
And Go this, on. this week, that's it. <laughs> and this week, <laughs> Nick highlighted the fact that Seabolt selected a uh, rookie hooker who grew up as a halfback until the past summer where they tried to make him into a uh, hooker, Corey Pakes, uh, and went into the game without a recognised backup on the bench, which was both, as Nick said, arrogant and irresponsibly stupid. Yeah, he played uh, 63 minutes. Pakes, is that how you pronounce it? Pakes. I believe so. 63 minutes in this game for the amazing stats of five runs for 15 metres, zero line breaks, zero tackle busts, zero line break assists, and it's no wonder he was ineffective in attack. He's just a kid, mate. The youngster had to make 50 tackles on on debut, but it's an extraordinary tactic from uh, C-Bomb to go into the game without a backup for this hooker on debut making 50 tackles. Uh, it's an easy out for C-Bomb to say that the Broncos are a young side, but this is the young side that he has created. Yep. And they are in a real mess with two 50-point-plus floggings in their past six games. Uh, and just before I go to the next point, Nick Tedeschi's column, Making the Nut, read it. It's a, it's a good column each week. Uh, showing how deep some of the fractures run in Brisbane – Front rower Matt Lodge said he'd love for former Bronco Gordon Tallis to come down to the club and offer some advice on where the forwards are currently going wrong. See, when I first read that, I thought he's like, yeah, come down, I'll smash you. No. No, he's actually saying, come down, we need help. He said uh, if he wants to come in and give us a hand and show us some leadership and help us to be better players, he's and more patch than... patch up some jip rock. And he's more than welcome. Tallis, who learnt of Judge, uh, sorry, Lodge's invitation on air on Triple M, had a blunt response. No. No chance, he said. They've made their bed and they can lie in it. Yeah, he certainly didn't miss any spray old Gordy, um, who it must be said is currently on the payroll at the Titans in some capacity. So he's not about to go and help the poor Broncos. He said on Triple M, I think their recruitment's poor. The recruiter used to be a glassy at the club. Then you've got a manager that has 15 players there who gets McCulloch to Newcastle and brings in Teo who he also manages, he, of course, is talking about my mate, Isaac Moses, who manages the bulk of the Broncos team. And get this, is also the manager of Seabold himself. It is a real minefield at the Broncos. The club, they don't suffer loss as well. And with Isaac Moses wielding all the power at the club, this is an absolute recipe for disaster. It's uh, interesting times. It's genuinely interesting times. It there. certainly I, is. I don't know. Like it's, it's. I still think they've got a great crop of young blokes that surely eventually will come good. But geez, I reckon there'll be a few more losses like this before they become they become uh, a decent team. Well, McCulloch's no good at Newcastle. He had a blinder on the weekend. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. They're, they're releasing McCulloch and bringing in Tio. I don't understand it. Friday and the Panthers. Uh, well, they finish off the Warriors' dreams, uh, beating them 26 points to nil Boo. at their new home at Campbelltown. Despite recommencing the 2020 season with a dream win against the Dragons, the Warriors came sailing back to earth with a five tries to nil shutout against the Panthers. And the win was a bit of uh, redemption for rookies, sorry, Panthers rookie halves, Matt Burton and Jerome Luai, after last week's underwhelming draw against the Knights. After last week giving up a 16-0 lead this week, the Panthers maintained their line and collected their third win of the season and are only one of three teams who remain undefeated. Yeah, look, I'm not raining on the Panthers parade. You know how much I love Judas Cleary. (laughs) 
but he cannot coach attacking football. 26 nil. Even in this one, the Panthers, they don't know what to do when they get into the attacking 30. Their first try was from a bomb that was spilled by the Warriors. The second try was from a Warriors kick that ricocheted and the Panthers swooped on it and ran. Their third try was from another spilt bomb and that was the end for the Warriors. They get Judas's son, Chinocchio, back next week, <laughs> along with Dylan Edwards. But I'm telling you now, even after a 26-0 win, their attack needs to find some form. They need Coruscant to just run amok and just keep giving it to kick out. Yeah, well, and that might be part of the problem too because I think there was a lot of times in that game and even the week before where they just handed it to kick out and expecting to do something. I'm telling you, it's not sour grapes. I love Certainly Judas Cleary like <laughs> and Chinocchio. I love the Panthers club. Actually, I don't mind the Panthers club. They're regime at the moment, I'm a bit pissed off at. <laughs> but I'm telling you now, the difference is going to be at the end of the season that their attack, they, they need to find something. Unlike last week, the Warriors finished with 13 errors in this game, completing 31 of 40 sets with the ball. They missed 25 tackles and only had 44% of the ball uh, in their hands. Now, Coach Kearney admitted that his team couldn't gain back momentum once the Panthers got a roll on and added pressure to themselves during the game. However, the Warriors weren't exactly terrible, as you sort of highlighted there, mate. Yep. Despite being on the end of a lopsided scoreline, in the first half alone, they gave away zero line breaks, yet found themselves down 16-0 after the first 40 minutes. That's exactly what I'm saying. The poor old Tamworth Warriors coach, Tawira Nickow, was disappointed <laughs> that after last week's disciplined effort, they couldn't back that up this week. The Warriors gave away too many penalties and six agains in the first half, giving the Panthers too much momentum. And in the statistics, the Panthers beat them in every single statistic and were too good. Let's be honest, they were too good in the end. Well, the platform from the Panthers well, they can't was, attack. was laid down by forwards James Tamau, who ran for 172 metres, James Fisher-Harris, who ran for 237 metres. Awesome. Uh, one of our favourites, Isaiah Yo, ran for 117, and Viliamu Kikau, sorry, who ran for 100. Uh, and given they welcome back TikTok sensation Nathan Cleary this week, there's a lot to like about their chances going deep into 2020. Well, there's not a lot to like. <laughs> Look, it'll be a big test for them this week. Let's hope that they, for all you Panthers fan out there, <laughs> let's hope that they turn it around because this will be a cracking clash against the Eels that I am going to call the Battle of the West. Mm, interesting. Should be a cracking game. Battle of the Ugg boot. Um, the second game on Friday night saw the Storm, too strong for the Rabbitohs, 22 points to eight. In a tough and sometimes scrappy affair, the Storm celebrated a, a clean, shaven Cameron Smith with a win against a much improved South Sydney side and leaving the Bron- oh, sorry, the Bunnies without a win in Melbourne in their history. That's unbelievable. I, didn't, I wasn't aware of that. <laughs> in the end, it was a four tries to one victory to the Storm, but only late tries in the final 10 minutes sealed the deal for the Melbourne Scourge Storm. There was, a, <laughs> there was a lot of statistics I wasn't aware about going into this round, uh, one being that Tal Malolo wasn't playing. Yes. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> there was some great footy in this game by the Storm. There were some cracking tries. And whilst the Bunnies, they were still in this game until the 66th minute, the Storm were much improved from last week. They figured out the rules. The stats overall were pretty damn close. It was neck and neck, but the Bunnies' completion rate was lower and those mistakes cost them, losing 22 to 8 when all the stats were almost identical. 
Storm Gun 5'8", Cameron Munster, proved the difference in this clash, setting up two tries, including one from a brilliant kick into the end goal that was collected by flying winger and crusty demons of the dirt star, Josh Adokar. <laughs> he was easily best on the field, according to Fulker at the Boys' Backyard Stats Lab, Garot choking Charlie, and his cross-dressing brother, Collot wearing Warren. Uh, he finished with 25 tackles, a try assist, 151 running metres, um, 46 days of contact, uh, post-contacts, a line break, and seven tackle busts. The second try for the Storm was also from some great lead-up work from Munster. The Storm played the ball on their own 30-metre line, and Munster he took the line on, broke through all of them, all the South players. It was about <laughs> five in one hit, straight through the line. Then he put on a goose step, love that, mm. ran 30 metres, sent a long ball to Jerome Hughes, who put a, a kick in for Vunavalu for a fantastic try in the corner. It came from nothing and got the storm in front before the break. And from there, they went on with it. It was a good victory. Now, it was easily the best game that Latrell Mitchell has played at fullback since coming to the Bunnies. Not hard. Uh, <laughs> it was a low bar. <laughs> Highlighted by a magic long cutout pass for Alex Johnson to dive over it for a try. He ran for 140 metres. He had two line break assists and a try assist, had 10 tackle breaks and only one handling error all night. Yeah, he's still not a fullback, though. I called him during the week, gave him some tips, <laughs> and it showed it was a big improvement. But I still don't think they should be persisting with this experiment. Much like I'm going to harp on about the Panthers' attack all year, I'm going to harp on about this until they put him back in the centres. Saturday in the Eels were too strong for the Seagulls, winning 19 points to 16. This match will be remembered for two things, Sid. It was the game of the round. Uh, the Eels hung on to scrape home against an unlucky Seagulls. And it was also the game that rugby league public realised that having one ref isn't going to be beer and Skittles with a few dusty calls ultimately affecting the outcome. After they trailed 18-6 early in the second half, the Seagulls worked the margin back to three with three minutes to play and looked to have the match won when Tom Trebojevic put Ruben Garrick over the line from 20 metres out, only for referee Ben Cummins to rule the pass forward. Uh, one thing to note was that on Twitter, at least, the Manly fans took the call really well. Oh, yeah. Um, and the Eels fans were very humble in admitting that they probably shouldn't have won that game after all. Absolutely. I think both those points are 100% true. But you say this is a problem only having one ref, but we got told that there's going to be full-time referees on the sideline. Mm -hmm. Ben Cummins was there. Mm -hmm. He saw it. It didn't go forward. Mm -hmm. Um it, didn't, it just didn't. It absolutely didn't. You can see his hands went backwards. But anyway, um, it was an early call. So the Parramatta players stopped. We'll never know what might have been. But uh, what really, really gets my goat is the referee's boss, Graham Annesley, coming out and saying, yeah, you know what? We got it wrong. It serves absolutely no purpose. I've been harping on about this for a couple of years now. All it does is make people angry like that 10-metre kick. The ball didn't go 10 metres in the Gold Coast game. And it we'll get onto that. It we'll went get nine metres and we should have won. Where's Graham? Piss off, Graham. Uh, it's the first 4-0 start to a season in 31 years for the Eels and only the fourth time in their history. Unbelievable. For those counting, Parra haven't won a title in 34 years. 
Uh, and in those 34 years, they have named 31 halfbacks as the next Peter Sterling, with Mitch Moses being the latest. In this game, he nailed a field goal with six minutes remaining to make it 19 points to 12. Now, fun fact from uh, Andrew Ferguson from Rugby League Project, Mitch Moses has never lost a game that he kicked a field goal in. That's why we get him on for those amazing stats. And it- Why wouldn't you go out as Mitch Moses and just put one over in the first three minutes? Mate, if I was a coach, I, I'm all for an early field goal. Just put one through. You know you're going to win. Uh, but it's a great story, the Mitch Moses tale. Parramatta Jr., he's playing some good football. And uh, he should be named the next Peter Sterling. Or at least in the top five halfbacks Parramatta has ever had. Up there with the likes of Ben Custo. Yes. Chris Thorman. Forgettable. I've got to be honest. <laughs> Brett Finch. Solid. Chris Keating. I've always been a fan of Mitch Moses. He's always welcome on the show. Always welcome, Mitch. It's a great start to the season for Para, and it will be a big match again for them this week against the Panthers in what is already being billed as the Battle of the West. If you want to talk uh, about a game with even overall stats, look no further than this one, Sid. And how are these for some numbers being crunched by Fulcro the Boys' backyard stats lab? Cat Burglar Craig and his tubby salad-dodging brother, Ham Burglar Barry. Hit me. Um, Parramatta had 176 runs to 168 for Manly. That's close. Uh, meterage was 1661 to 1448. Pretty close. Dummy half runs five each. Yep. Tackle bus 30 to 31. Um, post-contact meters, 551 to 549. Offloads, 13 to 11. Line breaks, five and six. 20-meter restarts, two all. Uh, completion rates, 32 and 31. Uh, tackled in the opposition, 20, 33 and 26. Tackles, 311 to 287. Missed tackles, 31 and 30. So Parramatta actually made more tackles. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and errors, 11 all. Penalties conceded, 4 all. Very, very close. And it was an entertaining game of footy. Manly, they just let Parramatta get away to an early lead. and They ran out of time to run them down. Parramatta deserve the win, but Manly is still one of the teams to beat, if you ask me. I totally agree. Um, the Cowboys weren't strong enough in losing to the Sharkies up there at uh, Kissing Cousins Stadium, going down 26 points to 16. It's the game that almost didn't happen, Sid, after the Cronulla Sharks had six players return a high temperature before kickoff, before being sat in the Dan Murphy's cool room to get them down to regulation readings. By full time, the Sharks clinched an important five tries to three victory in front of 1,800 cardboard cutouts at Kissing Cousins Stadium and burst the Cowboys' top four hopes for the time being. Mate, it was dramas galore before the match. I was wondering if there might have to be a forfeit. Six players failing the temperature test. Can you imagine if I was playing and the doctor says, yeah, come up to the top of the grandstand. I'll take your temperature before the game. And I had to climb up all the stairs. <laughs> I did set miss more games than I play. But it's uh, funny times at the moment. You can have 30,000 people rally on the street, but young fit footy players have to have a rectal thermometer check before they're allowed to run on the field. But it was a great win for the Sharkies, who finally get on the board their first win of the season. Be unusual, given the old rectal thermometer check. To get, just go a bit deeper. <laughs> You've got issues. Cronulla's right-side combination of Jesse, the Noodle Ramian, and Ronaldo uh, Mulatavalo. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's adding bits there. M- Mulatavalo. Yeah, Mulatavalo. It's not hard. 
caused all levels of grief. I don't know where I got the V from. No. Uh, I know where I got it from just there. See that? No, it's not on my script. Um, go on. All levels of grief on the Cowboys. Both bagged doubles and uh, combined for 350 running metres and three line breaks. Cowboys left side defenders Kyle Felt and Justin O'Neill will be having a ball in this week's video sessions, particularly as coach Paul Green has taken the fake noise, uh, crowd noise out of the footage and just added the Benny Hill theme. Yeah. Well, it was uh, a tale of two wingers at the Sharkies with uh, two Bob Lair, Ronaldo, having a great game. And on the other wing, Katoa having an absolute shit show of a game, allowing the Cows to score three tries due to his poor performance. But the Cows were their own worst enemies in this game, completing only 61% of their sets, 17 errors, 28 missed tackles, which will have Paul Green sitting in video sessions this week, stony-faced, even though hilarious Benny Hill music will be playing. (laughs) Uh, Cronulla won the game on Saturday night in Townsville, but the club's $1 million pay, uh, playmaker, Dick Johnson, is once again in the in the guns. Uh, Dick Johnson had two try assists and 51 running metres in the 26-16 upset victory over the Cowboys, but the performance seemingly hasn't done anything to convince rugby league great and Fox League analyst Cooper Cronk that the Kiwi playmaker has justified his price tag since moving to the Shire. Johnson left the Warriors last year to join the Sharks on a three-year deal worth $3 million according to reports at the time. Johnson's the key. Johnson won the Golden Boot in 2014, signed with the Sharks on a three-year deal. This is his second year, and to be honest, he's fired blanks since arriving. Uh, He can be the best player in the world, but he just doesn't deliver enough for me. And if the Sharks are going to do something this year, uh, you've got enough talent on that list, led by Wade Graham, Chad Townsend, um, and Matt Moylan. But Johnson needs to be the star. And you know what? I think that's fair. Too often, he is hot and cold. He needs to At a million dollars a year, you can't afford to be hot and cold. Mate, a million dollars a year, you got to step up uh, after the... How do they find that million dollars in their salary cap to fit him in again? Oh, they do some crazy things out there on the uh, peninsula. But uh, <laughs> those, those names that you mentioned, they're all good players. But Sean Johnson, especially at that rate, he's got to step up. He needs to lead by example and play consistent footy. And he's not, I don't think. No, Wade Graham's the only bloke that... Uh, Gets uh, every cent of his paycheck. In He's that group. a gun. Yep. Uh, the He's Raiders expecting some more money out of the club soon, but anyway, the Raiders weren't strong enough on Sunday afternoon, going down to the Knights, thirty-four points to eighteen. Uh, the Knights were never headed in a great display, uh, running in six tries to three to easily handle the well-travelled Raiders, who were playing at their new Campbelltown Fortress. Sid, I didn't see this coming. This result, no, not at all. Uh, especially after last week's draw, yeah. the Knights, uh, the Knights led sixteen six at halftime and went on with it. Uh, most of their positive play was off the back of returning fullback Kalen Ponga, who set up three tries and stopped another before being knocked out with six minutes to go. Mate, he was in everything Ponga in a great display. You know what? I think he's going to be a good player for me. He chimed into the back line on numerous occasions. He's your fickle. He had a hand in three tries, was everywhere at the back. Latrell, go have a look at the video of this game, see how to play fullback. It was an absolute masterclass. Who would you have former? I'll put you on the spot. Mm. Latrell Mitchell or Ponga as your fullback? I'd like Latrell at centre. <laughs> exactly. 
in a horror start to the game for Ricky's Raiders, the Knights gained an early 6-0 lead and then would have given supercoach Stuart a coronary when 5'8 Jack Whiten kicked out on the fall a few minutes later and then centre Jared Croker passed over the sideline after an attempted flick pass by the Canberra captain to an unmarked winger Nick Kotrick went horribly wrong and into touch. Ponga was there too. Got in the way, <laughs> stopped it. He did. He did? Yeah. Unbelievable. And really, it was just like how they, how is it? This possibly not going to be a try. Yeah, uh, Whiten then continued a shocking period of play by being responsible for a penalty try that enabled the Knights to lead 16-6 at halftime. Referee Ashley Klein awarded the penalty try after Whiten tackled centre Anari uh, Tuala as he was about to collect a best kick in the end goal. Uh, the effort from his team led to Ricky Stewart labelling his team's um, performance as unacceptable, leading to a long bus ride home back to Canberra. Yeah, they looked out of sorts from the start of this game. I said two weeks ago that the Raiders are going to find it hard to travel to Campbelltown for all their home games. Surely this is not the start of that, but surely it's too early. We're only two weeks in. Hopefully it was just an off night for the Raiders. Josh Papali, he tried all night. He had 155 running metres, 47 tackles. But when he asked Ricky Stewart... It is a huge effort. But when he asked Ricky Stewart... After the game, if they could stop and get a McFlurry at Goulburn Maccas, he was yelled at by Sticky. <laughs> no one gets a Maccas treat from Ricky after a display like that. They were flat, man. Uh, Bradman Best sealed the win when he towed ahead a ball shaken loose by David Clemmer hit on new halfback uh, Williams in camp from Canberra to score in the final minute. There was a scuffle involving several players after Best's final four-pointer with Knights International Clemmer and forward, uh, sorry, Canberra forward Joseph Tapine, uh, Tapine heavily uh, involved with the Mali seemingly coming out of nowhere. It was a fantastic end of the game as once again, wingers and halves went nose-to-nose with big front row forwards knowing there was zero chance of getting one on the end of their beak. Absolutely. Bradman Best had a great game. I exclusively revealed a couple of seasons ago that this guy would be a star. Go back and check. I did. But what a lot of people don't know about this young man is that he was a former beach sprinter for the Umina Surf Club. Now, let's hope that the commentators get hold of that fact and say it every single game for the next three years. That's a true fact. Go look it up. I'm going to let Vossie know that. Uh, the Titans. Oh, the Titans. Who'd they play? The the Titans. The the the. the the Titans beat the Tigers 28 points to 23. Didn't watch it. At some ground somewhere. Next, uh, what's with, the next game? With two minutes to go and down by a point, the Titans' Philip Sammy made a hero of himself. Not in my eyes. By scoring the winning try off the back of a bullshit Brian Kelly kick in the dying minutes. Nine-metre nine kick it was. It was the culmination of an afternoon of mediocrity from the Tigers who lay claim to being the only team possible of playing the Titans into some sort of form, giving up a five tries to four defeat and Fucking particularly putting the Tigers into ninth on the table. I dead set have not felt that bad after a loss for a long, long time. It was a shit performance from a team that is not anywhere near the same league as the Roosters or the Storm. Too many times we slack off against lowly teams and that's why we seem to always be in the middle of the pack or just below the middle. Mm. Just there in ninth or worse. Our attack was worse than a Judas Cleary coach side. We lacked intensity. Marshall and Brooks should have torn them to shreds, but the Titans' defense was up 
on them all night. I'm not going to say that they were offside. I absolutely <laughs> am not saying that. But they were... Check the tape. They, no, no, no. I'm, not, I'm actually not saying that. But they were in our face and obviously the, the halves couldn't adapt to the, the type of football that was getting played. And it's no surprise that Benji Marshall got dropped in my eyes. Uh, Supercoach Michael Maguire has lashed the Tigers after the game, um, saying he's sick and tired of the ups and downs of coaching the club. Get used to it, brother. <laughs> Get used to it. <laughs> We've destroyed worse than you, champion. Yeah. Um, saying that things have to change. The Tigers were huge favourites heading into Sunday's clash with the struggling Gold Coast following a commanding display against the Sharks. And it was a good display against the Sharks. It really was. We're backing up with that bullshit. In his post-match press conference, Maguire said, you play for 80 minutes, simple as that. It's something you talk about all the time. It's unacceptable. And that performance for where we are at is bullshit. He didn't say that last bit. No, but he uh, should have. You can play for 15 minutes and have control. But until you play for 80 minutes, well... That's what this competition does to you. We spoke about that. We prepared for that. The boys just didn't get it done. Maybe the results show that we didn't do the things we said we were going to do. Our preparation was uh, doing what we did for those first 15 minutes. And sure enough, from all facets of our game, there are areas where, where you're building pressure. But I'm sick and tired of the ups and downs of the performances. We need to change. That's what this club has been. I didn't want to say that, but it's the truth. And the truth is we need to fix uh, how we do things when we are performing. If you can't be hungry to win a game of football, then you've got to have a look at in the mirror. And that was his grab a mirror in, uh, entry this week. And it was a solid entry. <laughs> it's, uh, Hard to beat. It's, it's all facts. There was absolutely no hunger there at all from West Tigers. We've got a, a good young pack of forwards that absolutely put in way above their years and experience. But some of our backs and playmakers, I wrote this before I saw that Benji Marshall was sacked. They need to have a good hard look at themselves. Not sacked, benched, benchy. Um, <laughs> but after that shit show, I don't know what Mike contributes in the centres. I don't know what... He's not a centre, that's why. I don't know what Jennings gives. Uh, we stormed to a 12 nil lead. One of those tries, let's not forget, was from an intercept. And we were carrying on like cockheads thinking we've got this. And we dead set clocked off. Did the Roosters clock off at 12 nil? Nope. Or, they, didn't or, even or clock off at, they didn't even clock off at 52 nil. Madge needs to make some changes, and he has now. We need, but we need to change our culture because we were out-cultured by a Mal Meninga-cultured side, and that's saying something. Ooh, I wouldn't have gone that far. No, um, I'm going further. The Gold Coast Titans, how's this, had conceded 24 points or more in 15 straight games before their win over the Tigers. It's their first win in 364 days and their first for new coach Justin Holbrook. Despite their horror run, it marked the club's sixth win in eight games against the Tigers. Yeah, what's the next game? Bulldogs on Monday. Uh, they won the Job Seeker Cup 22 points to two against the Dragons. Uh, the Dogs drove another knife into the guts of Paul McGregor as they notched up their first win of the year and condemned St. George Illawarra to last place on the table. It was a tough... Sorry, it was another try drought to the Dragons and they had now have two wins from their past 15 games. Unbelievable. Uh, and they have scored 44 points this year. 44 is the same number of points that Roosters rookie Kyle Flanagan has scored this year. Wow. Um, <laughs> the Dogs scored three tries and perhaps more impressively kept their try line intact for the afternoon. Yeah, well, they were down 2-0 early in this one, the Dogs. They look gone. <laughs> but lucky for them, from the 20th minute to the 80th minute, they just scored at will. 
22 unanswered points to just pip the Dragons 22 to 2. Uh, let's be honest, the Dragons were rubbish. 15 errors from the Saints. Frizzell dropped the ball on the first tackle at one point. Mate, he, and he, there, there is a bloke winding down. Mate, he got up filthy with himself. Filthy that he's not playing at the Knights <laughs> this season. It was a horror show from the the Dragons. Look, it'd be easy to concentrate on Mary McGregor, but he appears in the news, so I thought we'd uh, change our tact here. Yep. With so much pressure and attention on him, it seemed most of the world has now forgotten that Dogs coach Dean Pay was supposedly staring at being sacked before they ran out and played uh, and beat the Dragons. Yep. We've said it here for a number of times, Sid, and I, I, this is serious. I'm not joking. How the hell can Dean Pay possibly be in danger of losing his job is absolutely bamboozling to me and you. There is no one staring at the dog's list with jealousy, and yet uh, they try their guts out, as we've said many times, yep. almost every week. Rarely have they handed up easy victories to their opponents, and rarely have they been handed their ass on the wrong end of a huge scoreline. As you said last week, it'd be very interesting to see how the Dragons will be travelling if Dean Pay was their coach. Yeah, exactly. We all know the problems that Dean Pay has had to deal with since becoming the coach at the Doggies when Desi left them in a hole. But Mary, he has no such excuse. He's Not been, after six years. He's been there, what, six seasons? He has the roster that he wants. He actually said it two years ago. This, this is now the roster that I want, and he's continued to get the roster that he wants, apart from DeBellin. Um, <laughs> they are an absolute mess. I don't know. Where they go to from here? I got no idea. Uh, Sunday marked the return of ageing dogs halfback Kieran Foran since shoulder surgery after an injury on Kiwis duty against Great Britain last November. And it's not sensationalising things to say that he he was easily the best half on the field and probably close to man of the match. Mm -hmm. Whilst he didn't do a lot of the general kicking, his organisational skills were obvious, particularly in defence, as he seemingly uh, seemed to steady some of his younger teammates in the face of some of the pressure the Dragons did apply at different stages of the game. Uh, Bulldogs coach Dean Pay heralded uh, Foran's influence on the Dogs, um, who pocketed their first win of the season. He made 25 tackles and he did his job there. He played really well. He gives everyone a lift in the place. He's helping our young guys along and he did his job really well tonight. Yeah, he had a great game and that is what this young Doggies team needs. An old head out there to lead the young guys around the park and an old head to help Huey Lewis in the halves as well Yep, and teaching him how to play. Well, it's probably been the biggest story over the last two weeks and uh, St. George Illawarra coach Mary McGregor has been spared the axe following Tuesday's emergency meeting, uh, board meeting, despite going back-to-back losses against the Warriors and the Dogs since returning to Rugby League. Uh, Dragons directors organised a video conference where one of them got nude halfway through to talk about his future uh, and gave the coach a stay of execution after sustained speculation over his future. After the club's worst start to the season in over 15 years, they have given him their full backing. Full backing, interesting words. Um, Although the board acknowledges the club's performance so far throughout 2020 have been unacceptable. And 2019. We will continue to support Paul, his staff, and the team through these tough, tough times, Dragon Chairman 
Andrew Gordon said. It's been revealed Paul McGregor's stay of execution as uh, the coach may last just another four weeks. The Telegraph reports uh, the Dragons board will meet again in a month's time and they will discuss McGregor's position as head of the team as they did on Tuesday. The club goes up against Cronulla, the Gold Coast, the Roosters and Canberra in the next four weeks, then Manly after that and Canterbury. Uh, who beat them convincingly on Sunday. Sorry, Monday. Uh, The Titans are the only team the Red V have beaten in their past 16 NRL starts. They're a gun team, the Titans. Don't take anything (laughs) away from the Titans. They're a tough, tough win. They're giant killers. Uh, When is this going to stop? Everyone speculated that he had two more weeks and then they held a board meeting. Everyone thought he was going to get the chop. Now your information is he's been given four more weeks. Four more weeks, yeah. Uh, It's just... Rip the Band-Aid off, cut your losses. But the problem is, rip the Band-Aid off for what? Who are you going to put there? Because I don't think whoever they put there will be their intention to leave there for the next two or three well, years. Well, then why not say he's got till the end of the year, but he will not be there next year? I, uh, mate, I don't know. You're asking like, what me, do you do? You're asking I, me for Dragon's logic. I don't know. I absolutely... Dragon's logic would say... You know what? Given the way our busted-ass coach has been performing for the last few years, we probably shouldn't have a bloke as his co-coach that has no fucking possibility of being the coach if we have to sack him. Yeah, I'm not sure if we covered off on this last week or a little if, bit, if yeah. you and I were talking about it. I think it was just you and I talking about it. That is true about Flanagan, but their other option is Dean Pay. Dean Young. Sorry, Dean Young. They wish um, they could have Dean Yeah. Um, <laughs> they could do worse. But yeah, what? Like if if they're not playing for McGregor and they're not successful and they just chop McGregor off, then Dean Young and Flanagan, who are there anyway, mm. what's that going to achieve? I don't know. Well, they've they've either got to bring someone in or get rid of all three of them and bring a whole team in. Yeah, it's just going to go on and on oh, all no. year for them. It seems because he's got a two year extension that he says he's only five rounds into now. It's a mess. There was talk that they were going to that. Um... Uh, Bennett is firming again to, to join him at the end of this year. There's talk that um, this guy from England, I uh, apologise, I can't think of his name, Sean... Wayne. Wayne is um, looking at coming over. But Sean Wayne was tipped to do it, and then they said, no, we're ruling him out. But then yesterday the mole had a scoop. <laughs> Someone out of left field, it's Sean Wayne again. Yeah. But it just seems the same names are recycled. They just need... To cut their losses. Jamie Soward put his hand up during the week. Well, why wouldn't he? I would. Um, but what I what I think is people should look at uh, Phil Gould's report into their whole club over the summer. Are we covering off on that later or we can talk about that now? We can talk about it now, but I just want to say one thing about yeah, it go. before you attack him. Um, is He did say the problem isn't the coach. The problem is the control the coach has over the entire operation and it's not enough. Well, that's complete on a bull utter bullshit they um the review that he did didn't look into the coach as any kind of problem because they just given him a two-year extension so if he comes in and says yeah you know what the problem is the coach st george will be like well there's nothing we can do there Mm. it was a it was a clayton's review into the club review at all to seem like they're well i think the St. George Club wanted to have a review from a big name like Phil Gould to justify the fact that they put this bloke on for two more years when nobody was chasing Mary McGregor's signature. Totally agree. So that justifies the board's position. And now the losses keep on coming. And they're like, yeah, but we had a review. You can have all the reviews you like. I could do a review for him. 
wouldn't be very nice. But they've made their bed. Like yeah. Gordon Taylor says, they made their bed, fucking lie in it. And the other thing too is, is there's a lot of questionable decisions around that club about selections, about recruitment, and also about just maintaining this contact with Jack DeBellin when you can't even – you know he can't be playing this year, yet you name him in a 32-man squad. Bizarre situation. Uh, the Tigers have been forced to ban Benji Marshall from training after a biosecurity breach involving a reporter at uh, their training. Danny Weidler reports uh, Benji was involved in an innocent kiss on the cheek with a female reporter, Channel 7's Michelle Bishop. The West Tigers are aware of a biosecurity matter at training today involving co-captain Benji. Um, Marshall was involved in a social distancing incident with an, accredited, with an accredited reporter, which was immediately reported to the NRL as per guidelines. Under those guidelines, Marshall will remain at home tomorrow, which is a scheduled day off for the Tigers, um, while the reporter undergoes a COVID-19 test. Assuming a negative result is returned, no further action will be required by Marshall or the West Tigers. I gather this is the same as the dogs when Terry Lamb went and shook someone's hand at training the other day as well. Yeah, it's a total overreaction, but uh, if she does test positive... He'll have to sit out for at least 14 days. So I just want to go on the record. The reason why we're recording on a Wednesday is because last night I was out with all the Canberra Raiders players and I pashed all of them. <laughs> and uh, I'm going looking, for a, Look into that NRL. <laughs> I'm going for a test tomorrow that I can guarantee will be positive. We need to quarantine all the Canberra Raiders players who at did, least till after the round this week. Who did you kiss? All of them. <laughs> all of them. Lots? And Ricky. Lots. Ricky loved it. <laughs> he was giving me more than McFlurries. <laughs> they um, should all be quarantined, the Raiders, this week. NRL star Josh Reynolds. It's the only chance we got. Uh, has explained the shock moment he recorded a positive roadside drug test, insisting that it was a false result. Reynolds was adamant that he would ultimately be cleared of any wrongdoing after then testing negative in a lab test at Sutherland Police Station early on, uh, sorry, Monday morning. Uh, he initially tested positive for cocaine and methamphetamines during Whoa, a, during I a, didn't know that. During a 1.30am <laughs> roadside test in Caring Bar, having just returned home from Sunday night's West Tigers v Titans NRL match uh, in Queensland. I just got uh, back from Suncorp from a flight with the boys. Then I ducked in to get some food and got pulled over, Reynolds told Ben Fordham on 2GB on Tuesday. He, the police officer, said, your licence is expired. And I fessed up to that. It was expired. I had no idea. I had no intention of uh, of driving uh, without, an ex- without a licence. I wasn't doing it on purpose. I copped that on the chin. And then he'd done an alcohol test first. That was all sweet. And then was, the drug swab was done and it came back to my window and said I'd pest tested positive to the drugs. It was cocaine and methamphetamines. I couldn't believe it. I'm not going to say what I said under my breath, but first (laughs) of all, I was in shock. I was like, what the hell? Deep down, I was very, very confident because I know I'd done nothing wrong, but it still put a shock through me. I'm not going to lie. After recording a negative back at the police station, Reynolds said that he was informed by the testing officer that lab results, as opposed to roadside tests, rarely change, meaning that he expects to be in the clear when a third test is finalised. Reynolds said he was unsure when his final test results would be available. He hit out angrily on Monday night after media reports of the initial positive test. I'll be ringing up and wanting to find out because I want to clear this up. Some people have already tried to ruin my name uh, and run it through the mud, and it's just not on. Reynolds was issued an infringement notice for driving with an expired license. Look, he was in Caring Bar in the Shire. There's a lot of meth and coke in the air out there. It's easy to get a uh, false positive. But what about the poor luck on this fella? 
Oh, mate. How many false positives if he you said, have this year? If he said you want to buy a lotto ticket, you go, nah. <laughs> nah, I'm good. <laughs> you are not going to win lotto, bro. <laughs> uh, in a Sydney Morning Herald report from Danny Widler, it was revealed that the Sharks have been forced to pay their former skipper, uh, Paul Gallon, a payment of approximately 700000 as a result of the supplement scandal. In my view, 700000 is not enough to compensate Paul Gallon for all he has had to endure as a result of the club uh, allowing the program, a drug testing program, uh, sorry, drug taking program to take place, Widler wrote, uh, as Paul Gallon said right behind him. And that's why <laughs> Gallon is getting the payout because he, he did the checks. He asked the right people at the club if uh, what they were doing was above board. He checked with the Asada website. He didn't invite Dank or Danny Hibbert into the club. However, when confronted by the story in 100% footy with Widler sitting alongside him, Gallon refused to elaborate on the matter, saying it had been dealt with years ago. It's a legal matter. I can't go into it totally, he said. This was all deal dealt with years ago when there was a large group of players who sued the club. I didn't sue the club, obviously, but I'll just leave it at that. Widely revealed that there is concerns from the Sharks that the other 15 players involved in the scandal could also pursue potential payments from the club. I think the Cronulla Club is watching this closely, he told 100% footy. A number of players have already been paid out, but a few haven't. I would be surprised if a couple of players at least didn't investigate the prospect of that. I got a few issues with this. Yeah, you raised some interesting issues. So, uh, Sharks people might want to skip forward a couple of minutes because it makes for some uncomfortable listening. The first thing that uh, came to mind when this happened was, okay, so is he officially suing the club? Is there a court record of this? Is there proceedings that are pending and then this has been settled out of court? Or is this the Cronulla Sharks giving 700000 to a player that may have said, oh, I want to play on next year, and they're like, don't play on next year. We'll just give you 700000 Any player... One year out of contract, getting seven hundred thousand dollars from the club has salary cap implications. In his defence, and it, and he it has this happened before a, a while ago. What the, happened before? The Widler's only uncovered it now, but it did happen. It, this didn't happen in the last week. No, I don't think that is true. I think that seven hundred thousand has just recently been paid, but other players were alleged to have okay. sued the club back in the day. And I stand corrected if that's uh, wrong. Well, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but. Any suggestion that any player is getting paid seven hundred thousand? Gallon refused from the club. to. I'll just read the quote again. Yeah, Gall, do it. Gallon refused to elaborate on the matter, saying it had been dealt with years ago. No, but that's what he's saying has been dealt with years ago. Was the drug scandal, not the seven hundred thousand? Okay. The drug scandal. Like when they say, "Do you want to talk about it?" He's like, "No, it's been dealt with years ago." And for me, the whole scandal has never been dealt with. No, it has thoroughly. So there's a lot of. Uh, I don't know. This stinks to high heaven for me. Danny Widler says, oh, you know, he doesn't want this to come out, but I'm going to report it and it's going to be uncomfortable when we're on TV together. Please tune in and watch us being uncomfortable on TV together. <laughs> and uh, when when it was put to him on the show, he, he didn't want to elaborate. This stinks to high heaven that a club that he was employed by last year is now paying him $700,000 like, was, without actually going to was, court. If it was, you, it was if dealt with suggest, out of court. Yeah. The, anyone could say, R- Robbie Farrow was was told, leave the club quietly and go take up that Souths option. And There'll don't, be a job don't, for you when you come Don't back. trash talk the club because you can still keep your legacy and we'll look at employing you down the track when you retire. 
and that is coming out of our salary cap this year. This is a bloke that retired last year and is getting $700,000 from the club. What investigations are into this? How is this allowed? Any player could say, yeah, yeah, it was a legal matter and I just got 700000 from the club this year. It It is bullshit to say that this whole drug scandal was cleared up years ago. It has never been cleared up. I totally agree with that. To say that he's suing the club because he, as Danny Widler panders to him saying, he did all the right things, he did this, he did that. He pled guilty. That's right. So the whole thing stinks. And I don't understand how any club could pay anyone without it being a salary cap issue. That's all. Um... South Sydney coach Wayne Bennett has reignited his bitter feud with the Broncos by suggesting they should have picked Jason Demetrio as head coach over Anthony Seabold after Seabold's men were thrashed 59-0 on Thursday by the Roosters. Demetrio, Brisbane's assistant coach at the time, interviewed for the role along with Michael Maguire, Kevin Walters and Anthony Seabold after the club rejected Bennett's proposal, which included a Demetrio succession plan. Uh, Seabold has a five-year deal with an extra year in Seabold's favour. This is outstanding. A five-year deal with an extra year in Seabold's favour. Correct. What a deal. That Isaac Moses is a better manager than Jerry Maguire. Seabold had one season as a first-grade coach. With a pretty good lineup. And gets signed on a six-year deal. This is unbelievable. But Bennett, I don't know, man. I think Bennett's lost the plot. He should keep his nose out of it. There's big talk that he already has a succession plan in place with Demetrio to take over from him at the Rabbits, which I think the Rabbits... Well, that's, that's official. The Rabbits that, have said it's official. Yep. But I think the plan is that Bennett wants to bring it in sooner rather than later mm. so that he might be able to skip out of his contract and perhaps end up at the Dragons. I don't know. Um, the coach's merry-go-round is always spinning former. Interestingly, I, I think I raised this before in another point. Um, there's a fair bit of bad blood amongst a few of the Brisbane old boys and the club itself. And that relates back to um, Kevin Walters had a deal and shook his hand. Mm. With, uh, I think it was – I won't say who it was because I don't think it was. But it was one of the Broncos' bosses who said, you've got the deal, you are the coach. Yep. He went away from that meeting on the understanding that contracts had to be drawn up and away we go. But that's how the Broncos have always done it. And somehow... Signed, sealed, delivered. That disappeared. Now, in the meantime, obviously, Kevy, who's very popular amongst uh, his Broncos brethren, and fair enough, too. He seems like a popular and a nice fella. Um, Kevy's now been... I think a lot of those blokes uh, have a lot of hate for the current oh, yeah. Broncos people because of the way they treated that bloke. And yeah. being an old boy, especially. And you hear it in Talos when he was yep. interviewing... About it, he he says that 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 crew they've got there now has won nothing. Yep. I go back to the club and they show all the old days when we were all there, and it's a real close shop. You go against them, they don't like it. Oh yeah, Isaac Moses, it's going against them. Tens of thousands of NRL fans could flood through the gates again in less than two months as part of a bold plan to remove crowd lockouts by August. He's back to the Landies. He's a champion. Good on him. Courier Mail chief league writer Peter Bedell. Uh, reported on Tuesday that Australian Rugby League Commission Chairman Peter, uh, sorry Ned Philandis, <laughs> is aiming to allow full crowds to attend NRL games from August one. 
I can tell you that Ned Philanus is looking to have full crowds in the six specified venues from August 1. Um, he said on NRL 360 on Fox, of course, it's dependent upon the infection rates and the support of the Queensland New South Wales governments. But if all the infection rates are well and healthy, then we should see full crowds back at rugby league games from August. Over the coming weeks, the league will take a staggered approach to allowing fans to return to games. This weekend, however, a handful of spectators will be permitted to enter stadiums through uh, although they will be sponsors confined to corporate boxes. That will then progress in July to capped uh, crowds of around 5,000 people, depending on the venue. Bedell said, uh, the Courier-Mail understands that families could be seated together and be distanced from others, while staggered arrival entry and exit times would be implemented. Volandis uh, is then aiming to have the fan cap removed altogether, allowing all fans to attend games for the first time this season in round 12 uh, when the Broncos host the Sharks. Fans, however, may not be able to access food and drinks at games initially as authorities determine how to offer them safely. Further to that, there has now been a push to make those games BYO. No! <laughs> That is fantastic. <laughs> Old school. Yep. Bring an esky to the footy. Yep. Well, Boris Garaglikian said this week there will be no fans there, but she's she doesn't realise she doesn't run this state anymore. No, no. Philanders does. That's right. But uh, yeah, she's open to it being opened up more and more. But yeah, let's let's bring it in that you can bring an esky. Johnson, the step for the heavyweight championship of the world. Sports News. Well, our first story comes from the AFL, and it's not about um, their return to the field this week, but it's more about, well, it's a long thread. I want to take you through it, but um, it starts with Collingwood Premiership player Horatia Lumumba. Is that how you say the name? I'm confident. Uh, has Aaron, again... Aaron Mullen calls him Ooga Booga Mooga <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with mine. Uh, has again. Heritier, Lumumba. Anyway. Uh, Horatia. Horatia, Lumumba. Collingwood player. Uh, he's taken aim at his former club, accusing Nathan Buckley of ostracising him in 2013 after the player spoke out against Eddie Maguire and admitted he took mushrooms to deal with the stress. Uh, Lumumba played 223 career games for both the Magpies and later Melbourne after being selected in the 2004 rookie draft. Mushrooms write this down, all you players, are mm-hmm. not currently on Asada's banned substance list. Uh, the 30... can give a false positive in Karangbar. <laughs> the 33-year-old, who now lives in Los Angeles, called on his former club and the AFL to publicly acknowledge his experiences of racism were inadequately dealt with which further, sorry, which caused further damage. Uh, contacted by foxfooty.com.au on Tuesday, Lamomba uh, confirmed he was the author of a nine-point social media message, which was posted to his Facebook page and has more than 55,000 followers. Among several stinging accusations relating to racism, the 2010 All-Australian said there was a culture of racist jokes at Collingwood between 2005 and 2013, accusing the Magpies of being negligent and maintaining that Maguire and Coach Buckley and AFL CEO Guilty McLaughlin were in the wrong for allegedly denying his allegations and making 
aversions on his mental health. It was terrible. Uh, Maguire's comments on Triple M in 2013 related to Adam Goods and the movie King Kong. Uh, they were widely condemned, and Maguire apologised to Goods shortly afterwards. The Brazilian-born retired halfback Lamumba has uh, nine dot points critiquing the AFL and Collingwood read as follows. I'll read these verbatim. Yep. Number one, I had the nickname Chimp between 2005 and 2013, and there was a culture of racist jokes. Two, I spoke out against uh, Maguire's racism on the 29th of the 5th, 2013, and was ostracised internally for doing so, particularly from Coach Buckley, who stated, you threw the president under the bus. They viewed what I did was wrong and remained unapologetic about it, and as a result, I was treated differently for the worst. Unbelievable. Uh, sorry, for the worst. Three, if it had negative impact on my mental health and general well-being. Four, without a support network within the club slash league that could cater to my specific needs, I used, um, let me say this, psilocybin, which is mushrooms, out of desperation to deal with my distressed state, which subsequently helped me confront uh, Carlton Foot, sorry, Collingwood Football Club over my issues. Five, I first addressed Collingwood Football Club's culture, which that conflicted with workplace rights and human rights in a team meeting on the 27th of the 6th, 2013. Um, immediately following the team meeting, the nickname stopped, as too did the jokes from within the playing group. However, there, they were, there were still problematic occurrences that followed. Seven, the Collingwood Football Club and the AFL did not have the capacity nor the desire to address the issues that I was raising. They were negligent and did not take their internal issues seriously. Eight, I went public with my experience via a documentary in a powerful show of solidarity. Three of my former Indigenous teammates, plus Shay McNamara, an outsider to white Australian culture, confirmed that my testimony of nicknames and jokes were true. Nine, uh, the Collingwood Football Club, Maguire and Buckley, and the AFL, uh, McLaughlin, denied and proceeded to make aversions on my mental health while my former teammates knew it, tr- it was true. They all remained silent. This was an amazing thread on Twitter this afternoon. You actually see Nathan Buckley in a press conference. And he's just smirking the whole time as if to say, who cares? You got called a chimp. Wake up to yourself. And please go go on Twitter and read the whole thread. It is absolutely fascinating. If this was in rugby league, it would be an absolute shit show in the media. Uh, The project then did a whole piece on it. And if you want to see Waleed Ali go I against s- go I against s- everything you think Waleed Ali is for, he's more AFL than, uh, than sticking up for any racial... Uh, Filification. It, it is outstanding. I, I'm gobsmacked. I'm, I'm getting a bit lost for words. You Go and have a look at the thread, and it is amazing how much the media was manipulated by the AFL. There, there's lies and half-truths. Waleed Ali sits there and says, well, you say your nickname was Chimp, but there's not many players that can back that up. He's like, well, I'm telling you, that's what happened. And there's a couple of players. He's like, yeah, but there's not enough players. So <laughs> it's just fascinating viewing. Go and have a look. Rugby. Uh, Rugby Australia and Fox Sports have settled on a deal for the broadcast of the new Super Rugby AU competition starting on July 3. I was not aware of this. A revised, this happened this afternoon, a revised Mm. broadcast arrangement was agreed upon on Wednesdays, uh, beating the Village Roadshow uh, drive-in deal that was about to take place, (laughs) meaning the sport will continue to be broadcast on Fox Sports when it resumes in just three weeks' time. How much for? Uh, Not sure. 
a couple of bottle tops and a pizza. Case of beer and a pizza. Uh, head of Fox Sports, Peter Campbell, said Fox Sports was looking forward to broadcasting every match of the competition. It might not be super rugby as we know it, but it's super to have rugby back on Fox Sports, he said. It was a, never super. In a clever play on words. Yeah, not that clever. Additionally, Foxtel has reached an agreement to air the New Zealand Super Rugby uh uh, competition which starts this weekend, so rugby fans can settle in to watch more of the sport they love. Both of you, Rugby Australia <laughs> interim chief Rob Clark said in a statement that it was the best possible news to rugby fans in Australia. Yeah, no, it's a fantastic deal that they've got that nobody quite knows the details of. But yeah, rugby's going to be on telly. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm stoked. Every now and then, a, a story in sports comes along. Yes, I actually get genuinely excited about. I know what you're going to talk about. We, we're going to this. Oh, that's exactly what I was going to say. Boxing. An audacious proposal to bring a historic heavyweight world title bout to... i got, got goosebumps. I know, me too. I'm excited. A world title bout to Sydney has been revealed by legendary boxing promoter Bob Arum with Bankwest Stadium emerging as a leading contender to host the trilogy fight between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Wow. Now the Australia's uh, Brett Reid, who loves his boxing, reports the third bout between Fury and Wilder has been tentatively booked for Boxing Day. What's, what's the chances that they go into this third bout one all? They're, well, no, they're, they're already, they had to draw the first one. And the second one, uh, Tyson one. So this is. Oh, so this one. is the third one. Yeah. Oh, I thought they were talking about like a whole full trilogy. No, 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 no. Aram leaked the details in an interview with Sky Sports, saying our friends in Australia are talking about doing this fight, probably in Sydney. It's a real possibility. Those friends are D and L events run by promoter Dean Lonigan. We are with whom Aram combined to bring Manny Pacquiao to Brisbane's Suncourt Stadium to fight local star Jeff Horn in 2017. Mad. Following Aram's uh, comments, Lonrigan has confirmed the details of his pitch to bring Fury and Wilder to Australia in late 2020. A thousand bucks a ticket is still too cheap, in my opinion. I made a proposal to Bob about a month ago, and we have been going back and forth ever since. The proposal was for a date in November or December, with Parramatta's new Bankwest Stadium being one of the most suitable venues for an event of this magnitude. Last week, Bob asked me for an update uh, on when crowds might be able to return, and now he's gone public with a plan, so the signs are very good. The only thing they're waiting on is for Isaac Moses to give his approval, <laughs> but this is super exciting news. We definitely will have to go. I'm already working What with, a Christmas present. Mate, I'm already working with the promoters to get Tyson Fury to a full credit to the boys live show <laughs> when he's out here. What a spectacle that will be. Uh, what about a heavyweight title fight out there. I'm already calling it the Battle of the West. Oh, out at Wank clever. Best. It's clever. It'll be amazing. We've got to go. UFC. UFC megastar Conor McGregor says fighting does not excite him anymore and he's been considering retiring for two weeks before making the announcement on Sunday. For the third time in four years, McGregor tweeted his intention to hang up his gloves, sending the MMA world into a tizzy, although less of one this time. Yeah, I think that's fair. The first was in March 2016 before a match with Nate Diaz, which he returned to win. The second was in 2019 in April in the middle of negotiations with USC, which was later resolved, leading to his most recent fight in January, a 42nd win over Donald Cerrone, cowboy. Uh, McGregor is 22-4 and four as a professional fighter with just two losses in the UFC to Nate Diaz and Khabib Namagomedov in October 2018. He's also 0-1 as a professional boxer uh, when he lost in a TKO to Floyd Mayweather. Well, when I say lost, he might have lost the fight, but he picked up about $330 million. No, that is true. And he put on a good show. 
This should be a uh, undercard at Bank West in the Battle <laughs> of the West. Are you having a function or an event? Are you part of a sporting or community group? Do you have a birthday, anniversary, bucks or hens night coming up? Mayor Inc. can supply any custom product you can imagine. Custom-made T-shirts, aprons, stubby holders, cushions, shopping bags, hoodies, tote bags, vinyl stickers and decals. Or put your business logo on a range of workwear. Go to mayorinc.com.au. Whatever the purpose, Mayor Inc. has you covered. Let's sit down. Next guest is a documentary maker and a hard-working journo over at Channel 10, and it is more Newcastle than the coal itself. And you can find him on Twitter at Caney10, Instagram Caney10, or search the hashtag Thinking Man's Buzz Rothfield. Welcome to Full Crew of the Boys, Mr. Michael Kane. <laughs> Hello, guys. It's great to be on your show. I actually just love the, the, the name of your show because I, I hear it every freaking day at a, at a press conference. Yeah, it costs us two bucks every time they mention it. That, that new Bradman best, he loves throwing <laughs> yeah, out a full credit to the boys. He loves it. Uh, I, just, I just want players to be more creative in their answers. And it's almost like, you know, that that's all they dish up and to the point where, God, what am I going to play tonight? You know, it, and, and you know the funny thing about it is that it's the, it's the weirdest questions you ask some of these players or coaches, the, the better answers you get, and usually they're the they're the answers that you end end up running with. You know, because the the actual questions, you know, the, the, the you know the the real questions, no one cares about the answers um, because you usually hear them straight after a game anyway. No one can actually hear the questions in the NRL press conferences. So, <laughs> do you ever just think, let's get the sound bite and make up the questions later? That's what we do on here. <laughs> actually, the, the best question I, I think um, I mean Seabold. You know, he's, he's probably one of the most boringest interviews ever. You know, <laughs> at the best of times, he's always that. Oh, I love this. Yeah, percentages. The boys were down in percentages in the forwards and the, and the, uh, and, the and the play the ball and you know and it's like oh Jesus, what am I going to ask anyway? When this is when he was at South and there was um uh, there was a, an email that came out from South earlier in the week saying that there was going to be free pies at ANZ Stadium. <laughs> so everyone's asking. Seabold be over that. Oh, well, everyone's asking the dead shit questions, you know, and I'm sort of waiting, waiting, waiting. And I said, hey, hey, hey what about the free pie? <laughs> and he's just, all of a sudden, all of a sudden his, his eyes light up. And he goes, oh, mate, you know, the free pies, how good is that? He goes, mate, Adam Reynolds is out injured. Mate, he's going to put on 15 fucking kilos by the end of the game. And, and I, you won't be able to get him back on the field. But guess what? That, that was the grab that everybody else used because the rest of it was rubbish. Is there, is there blokes that you like? When you see they're offered up for an interview, you you jump on. Is there blokes that you actually enjoy talking to? Well, it's, it's funny. Well, it's funny. We we're just talking about this off, you know, before. Um, like people like Josh Reynolds who just tell it how it is. Yep. And there's no, you know, that it's almost like they've been in the game long enough. Um, and and probably I don't know, it, the ones that sort of start thinking about what they're going to do after their career, all of a sudden start to get personalities incredibly yeah. because they start thinking about we want to be in the media. So even people like Benji Marshall, you know, who's a great interview, but, yep. you know, early in his career was boring as batshit, you mm. know. So it's sort of like, you know, when they know that they can maybe get some, you know, they start thinking about what they're going to do after their career, 
they said, well, you know, even their manager might be giving them a note saying, you know, you guys have got to create a bit of a personality about you because people don't want to listen to boring stuff and that's you've got more chance of getting picked up by some of the broadcasters. Makes me wonder what uh, spot in the media there is for Darius. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, funny about it, he was actually, I mean, I was at New, I was working in, in Newcastle when he, he was at Newcastle and he was terrible there. Um, and obviously, you know, you know, he, he went back up to the, to, to the Bronx um, and, and I sort of, he started to become, you know, entertaining again. He started to you know, talk a little bit more, but now I think everything has happened. He's gone back in his shell again. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, each to their own. I mean, like, I mean, it, it, it's hard because, again, I, I, I bring it back to the, the clubs themselves. The, the media managers have got a responsibility to actually teach them how to speak to the media. Mm. Problem is, they, 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 they fill them with fear before they even get the, 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 the lights go on, before the camera goes up, because they're worried about what the journalist is going to say. And, um, you know, people like, you know, uh, how, you know, Warrior Hargraves, you know, he, he's he's great actually one-on-one. He gives you more when it's just one-on-one because he feels more relaxed. Yep. Where when there's like a pack around him, he hates it. And in fact, he'll actually ask for one-on-ones with everyone. He, he'd rather take more time doing one-on-ones because he feels more relaxed. And, and that's fine. I mean, it's all about getting, you know, getting more out of a player. And, and I think the fans, they, they want to know about the player. They don't want to know about the game. They want to know the personal things. 100%. And, and it's hard to, to do that. And it's also very hard when you you're working for a network that hasn't got the, the broadcast rights. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, Channel 9 and Fox Sports are always going to get the scoops or the better stories. And, you know, poor old, you know, the rest of us have, have more or less got to, you know, scrape up, you know, you know polished dog turds, you know. Well, speaking of um, the trepidation that they, that some of the players do have for um, for the media, tell us about the time you took a sauna with a bunch of players and, and how that went down. What was that one? Sorry. Tell us about the time you had a sauna with a bunch of players in the Blues camp in 2016, oh, and how that all went. You down. Dug that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Lee, I was up at Coffs Harbour, and we were staying at the same place as the, the Blues, because as you know, um, for a while it was it was actually worked for the, for a while um, where they used to take them on camp up to to Coffs, um, you know, sort of away from Sydney, and, yep. and you know, get them into that siege mentality. And, of, and it was working. Success and then for rugby league up in the Coffs region. They now scrap that idea. And, um, but we're, obviously the media was staying in the, the same premises as the Blues. And, you know, end of the day, I felt like, you know, I felt like a sauna. I love Everyone loves a good sauna. Anyway, um, I walked into the air, you know, area where the sauna was. And as soon as I walked in, I sort of looked to my left and he was, you know, Matt Moyland and, and oh, I think it was Josh Mansour in the... In the in the spa, and I thought, oh yeah, well, I started walking towards the sauna, and all of a sudden, my my heart starts beating because there's about you know a dozen backpacks around the sauna, and I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, they're all in there, you know. But I'm sort of thinking, I've gone too far to turn around, so you know, I you know, stripped down to my speedos, and, and I'm sort of thinking to myself, I'm 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 about to walk into a spa, uh, into a sauna. Where blokes are, uh, you know, trained twenty four seven. They've got you know, bodies like Adonis's, and I'm walking in like a slob. And um, and I walk in, and all of a sudden, you know, everybody's, I don't know, the, the conversation stops because they know who I am, and I'm sort of like, oh, this is this is awkward. And I sort of turn around and I said, you know, guys, you can actually keep talking. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, what do you got to worry about? And and um, 
And Robbie Farah sort of said, you know, sort of said something like, "Oh, you're probably recording us in here, you know." And and I said, Robbie, "Speaking to my dick, I'm just a I'm just a regular bloke having a sauna, just like you guys. I'm finished. My day my day's finished." And I think a few of them actually said, "Yeah, stick it up, you know, get up, you get that up, you Robbie." You know? <laughs> and Robbie sort of you know, and got up and walked out. But it was like. After that, you know, we actually had a, a, a good conversation with a few of the boys. And, and it wasn't about rugby league. It was about everything else. Yeah. And I think they sort of respected um, the fact that I did that. And and I actually started talking to them about, you know, they said, oh, we don't like the camera in our face and all that sort of stuff. And I said, well, you know what? If you actually sort of, you know, stopped and spoke, we, you know, all that finishes. Yeah. You know, because all, at the end of the day, everyone wants wants a good grab. And really, we're just doing our, doing our job. Um, and nobody likes bouncing, you know, players, you know, from the, you know, from the, the sheds to the car park. Mm. Um, and it's, I think it was, um, oh, who was it? Um, Boyd Cordner once, you know, it was about the whole Mitchell Pierce and the, the simulated dog sex. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was bouncing Boyd and, and Boyd sort of, you know, gave me a gobful after it. And I sort of said, listen, mate, I said, just, just think of yourself at the start of the game, your, your coach tells you, that you have to take out a player from the opposite side. And that's your job to do that. Mm-hmm. He says, yeah. And I said, well, my, my boss has told me to do this. You get it? I'm just doing my job as well. I don't want to do it, but I'm doing it. And I think when they realize that's the reason why you're doing it, they go, yeah, you're not that bad after all. Because really, it's the exec- executive producer of the news that's wanting this stuff, not the, not the reporter. It's almost like you know, a lot of reporters are, made out to be grubs, fill them up. But it's really about they're just doing their job and you don't like doing it, but it's almost like that's that's what you've got to do. That's what you're getting paid for. And if you don't, they'll get someone else to do it. Just rewind back to the sauna. First of all, did you say backpacks or backpackers out the front? (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of questionable things that happened at that resort over the years. We won't go into that either. And second of all, in the sauna, who was uh, best on ground that day? Would you say? Uh, I, I'd have to. Well, I was talking to Greg Bird for a long time, you know, because funny enough, I mean, I, at the moment I'm living in I live in Maitland, and um, and his wife comes from Maitland, so we had a great a great chat, and and again, you know, a bloke that you know has probably been you know very misunderstood over the years, but you start to realise, you know, you know, in in regards to his life leading, you know, all the way through, you re- realise it's, you know, it's, it's not a, a, an easy gig being a rugby league player. And I think a lot of people forget about that as well. Let me reframe the question. Who was most impressive that day? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, th- I think Josh Morris. <laughs> <laughs> or, or was it Brett? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but, uh, mate, was, you know, you're looking above the shoulders, mate. You're, you're talking to the wrong person there. Not me. <laughs> Now, you've, you've covered a lot of sports uh, over your journey. So before we look at rugby league, let's drill down on two other codes. How, how will the A-League and Super Rugby come back from the coronavirus situation, do you think? Well, I think only today, I've, you know, again, I, I'm, it's my day off today, but I, I just saw a little bit of stuff on social media that, that I think Rugby Union have nutted out something with Fox Sports, which is great. Um a-League, not so good. Um, I don't really know. It, it, it's a little bit embarrassing, I think, for, for the A-League because you, you look at other sports like the NRL, AFL about to start, you know, rugby nutting out a deal. They'll be starting soon. And the A-League is still, you know, 
it's almost like you haven't you haven't seen them out, outside of Sydney Heads. You know, yeah. it's like where, where are they doing? What are they doing? They need to start up. Um, I think the big thing reason for that is because Fox Sports are trying to you know get rid of a lot of sports um, because of the fact that you know they've spent too much money on the cricket rights. Um, so they've had to really shell you know a lot of things and obviously shell a lot of good journalists as well um, shows uh, and really cut their costs. Um, one thing that doesn't rate at the moment is is the A League, and so that's an easy target. And they still had a few years left to go on the the broadcast rights. And with the, the big thing here, it's it's, it's complex. Uh, the the if you remember the the FFA let the clubs take over the A League, yep. um, yep. but the FFA haven't really done that yet because of the fact that it's a clause. Because if that happens legally. All of a sudden, the the, con- the current contract with Fox Sports is null and void, and a new contract has to be formed. The FFA know damn well that the, that the Fox Sports don't want to don't want the A League anymore, and they know that if they you know if, if that happens, then that could be disastrous for soccer in in Australia. So they've, they're still holding the baby, so to speak, but they don't really run it. Meanwhile, nobody's looking for a major sponsor or, or any sponsors whatsoever. It's a rudderless ship at the moment. I fear for the A League. It's almost like it needs to be knocked down and started again. Interesting, very interesting. Yeah. That mate, um, you were there yesterday at the Dragons. Tell us your thoughts, uh, or tell us the thoughts of the media before the Dragons meeting, and then what was the thoughts after when they announced that Paul McGregor had retained his spot as coach of St George Illawarra? Uh, well, you know, it, it's almost like Paul McGregor. It's all man. The guys had so many lives. He's like a cat. And but the funny thing about it is that even at the start of the day, I. I thought it wouldn't surprise me if he survives. Yeah, right. Um, you got to remember, he, he's good mates with Peter Doust. Peter Doust is on the board. Um, I was told that for him to be sacked yesterday, it had to be a unanimous decision. Yep. Now, mates go back. Um, I don't know, you know, who, you know, it could have been, you know, I don't know how many he's on the board, but I mean, it could have been one person mm. that said no, and he's still there. And that's obviously what happened. Um, you know, I mean, it's been said before, you know, look, look at the roster they've got. You know, they've got a great roster and they, they shouldn't be where they are. There's, there's state of origin players, there's international players. And sometimes, you know, sometimes the, the players realise at some point, and not just in rugby league, in all sports, they realise that the, the, the coach just can't get that little bit extra out of you, mm. you know, out of, you know, out of the players. Um, and maybe it, need, it needs a bit of a change. And, I don't know, like even Mary, I mean, you know, the honourable thing to do would be to recognise that maybe himself and say, you know what, it's not working, you know, for the good of the club, maybe I should walk away, mm. you know. Um, he came out a couple I don't of know weeks ago. Was, you know, I, I mean, this day and age, this is the same thing about it. I mean, it even happened when Des was at the, the Bulldogs, you know, you, you win four or five games straight and all of a sudden it's almost like, you know, we, we get the manager in, we sign you up for another three years. Yeah. All because of five five games in a row. Look, he's a genius, and all of a sudden they go into a slump, um, and you're in trouble. You know because you know I, I don't personally, coaches or even players, I don't think a contract should go for more than two years, because you, you just don't know what's you know. I mean, locking them in for such a long time, there's you know, so many variables. He came out a couple of weeks ago and said he's only three rounds into his two year extension, so <laughs> he, he's not going. He's not giving up that eight hundred thousand a year in a hurry. Well, well, I think I think COVID sort of uh, extended his contract for a little bit longer. That's what I thought. But 
I, I don't know how, you know, they, they just really need to dig deep. And, um, geez, I sound like a player now, don't I? <laughs> give a, give um, a full credit but, to the boys and you, you're well on your way. I'm, I'm not going to say that, guys. <laughs> <Boo>! <laughs> but, 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 you know, uh, I, I just think, I mean, maybe they just need a new set of eyes. Sometimes that's what happens. How many times do you see, um, you know, a, a coach in any sport come in to a, a place that's been troubled and all of a sudden they, they start winning? It's almost like, you know, they just need that fresh, you know, you know, pair of gloves to sort of to get them through things. And poor old Saints, um, you know, I think they need it more than ever now. Give us the scoop yesterday if Mary was going to get the chop. Was there any word around amongst the journos about who was going to step up? Because obviously names like Wayne Bennett have been tossed around. What what do you, what was the belief that was going to happen yesterday if he did get the snip? Well, look, you know, I, I, I think you, you got to look at this season. I mean, it's it's. I mean, their, their season. You have to say their season's gone already. You, you would think absolutely. But at the end of the day, with with, with what's with what's happened um, with COVID. Does anyone really care who wins this competition? I mean, I know it's it is you know it's great to win, but I mean, is it? It's a, a real different set of circumstances, um, and it's not a not a competition that I'd be like jumping up and down and winning this year with what's with what's happened. Maybe it's a case of keeping him in for the rest of the year and then go find a coach, mm. uh, find a good coach, because at the end of the day, really, you're probably only going to get a, a stand-in coach. Um, for the rest of the season until they find someone else. Um, you know, again, Wayne Bennett's been tossed up. You know, I don't know, you know, it's something about going over your own ground again. Yeah. You know, it's almost like, you know, I've been there, done that. You know, it's time for new sort of things. I've always said that Wayne Bennett wants to win a premiership with South Sydney. Because um, imagine, imagine that, you know, I mean, two proud clubs, the Rabbitohs and, and the Saints, imagine winning the, the premiership with the, the Rabbitohs. And that's a pretty, that's a pretty cool thing to do, to, to, to win pre- two premierships with the Saints and the Rabbitohs. Yeah, yeah. I, don't think, I, don't think, I don't think they'll win it this year. There, there might be a bigger chance next year, as you say. It's interesting with the Dragons, from people close to the club who aren't aligned to, there's a certain faction there, Freemasons, and... Um, <laughs> They tell me that, um, and Gus Gould's basically alluded to this as well, is that there are too many people with too many fingers in too many pies there and that um, basically unless someone is guaranteed autonomy down there, and that's the only reason that Bennett, because Bennett's his own man, there's no way he would have um, let people sort of tell him what to do, but unless they give the bloke, next bloke autonomy, then they're just going to repeat the history again with no matter who they put in that job. Yeah, I mean, you know, whoever comes in, it's it's like, um, you know, when a when a, play, when a club when a coach comes into a club, he wants his own people, and he doesn't want, you know, that's why you see a lot of clubs, you know, getting, you know, a lot of players leaving clubs when a new coach comes in because they want they want a new, you know, they want their own set Stamp. of people um, because they don't want the last person's failures, I suppose. It's the same with even with newsrooms. You know, you find a news director comes in and just, you know, if you know, if you're if you're from the last regime, from the last news, you know, editor, um, you're you're gonski, or, or they more or less squeeze you out anyway because of the fact that you know this new person wants his new his new team. And I, I think if you if you, you know you've got to give a, a coach every every right to try to do that. But when you think of it, 
you know, players have got contracts, you know, two, you know, two years left to run. So it's, it's not easy to get rid of uh, to players and get your own people in. So mm. sometimes it's a case of trying to render it a little bit differently, bring your own people in, um, you know, uh, look, look at the look at the Broncos. Um, you know, it's been alluded to that you know they got rid of a, a pretty good hooker to, to Newcastle, um, and probably a real bad move. And they're telling me that you know there's a certain manager up there that's got so many players <laughs> under his you know under his realm, including the coach. It's almost like he's running the club. Is that a good thing as well? You know, I don't know. But how do you police that? Yeah, well, and. That's happened on more than one occasion at other clubs too. Yeah, but yeah. I've, got, I've got more to say about that later in the show. But uh, <laughs> we've had a couple of rounds under this new rugby league format. Have the have the rule changes made you rethink your preseason predictions? Um, I don't know. It, I, I I always thought the the game was too quick. Anyway, I'm I'm one of the guys that grew up in the '80s where the game was a lot slower. Um, I don't want it to look like touch footy, you know, and, you know, I, I think in a way, I mean, those, a lot of those rule changes were obviously a necessity more for cutting costs more than want, maybe. Um, I suppose the proof is in the pudding by the end of the year on whether that works and whether the, the, the game can get some more funds that either get the you know, more, more referees back into it again. Um, but I mean, full credit to, look, Full credit to Peter Volandis. <laughs> I'm going to say it once. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that's come in and he's had to make changes to keep this sport alive. Um, and I've I've had a fair bit to do with Peter, and he's one of the few. I mean, I, I speak to him probably once a week, um, and he's I, he respects my what I say to him because I just tell it how it is. Even when he came out and um, wanted money from the government when this whole COVID thing started. Um, I said there was a time and a place for that, Peter. It was way too early. I said there's people losing their businesses, people losing their lives, and here we are trying to save rugby league. I said it was a fucking car crash, <laughs> and he and and he and he and he sent me a message back saying, Michael, I respect your decision, but unfortunately, you're in the minority. <laughs> As he does. But you know what? He Just, didn't get the shit. See, next time I, I, I spoke to him, you know, he's one of those guys that takes it on board, it respects the decision, but moves on. He doesn't hold grudges. Um, I did a documentary on him, you know, yeah. where I had to follow him around a couple of years ago regarding the Everest horse race. He's such an innovative man. He's, he's an ideas man. And, um, and I mean, look at the, the, you know, the, the lights on the, on the opera house for the, you know, the, the yeah. Everest, you know, barrier yep. draw. Whoever thought that would get over the line? It got done. Um, you know, who would ever thought that he would have got this going on May 28th? He got that done. You've got to remember there's a lot of money coming from, um, you know, Randwick Racecourse and New South Wales Racing going to Macquarie Street. You know, that, let's not forget that fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and also, too, he's, he's, a, he's the sort of guy that, you know, he said to me once while I was following around for this doco, he said, Michael, I would love to see, I, I want to see worldwide attention to horse racing. I would love to see a horse race down the straight of the Sydney Harbour Bridge. That wasn't a joke, but yeah. was it? That, that was actually... And I said... They've actually looked I, at that. At, at the time, I thought to myself, you are nuts. And he said, imagine the worldwide attention. But then you see what he's done, and you think, it's not so nuts. He could do that. Supercars have street races. Why can't horses? Exactly. It's uh, a better surface imagine, than Brookvale Oval. It would really bring uh, you know, a, a world audience going, wow, that's just, everyone knows the Sydney Harbour Bridge. But there's nothing to say he couldn't he couldn't do that. And 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 what what he's done he's he's gone you know obviously 
harness the support of all the rugby league, you know, fans out there that obviously he can walk on water now. Mm. You know, he can do anything. Um, and he honestly, he's speaking to a lot of people in the business world. You know, there's a lot of businesses in in, in the country and in, in Australia that would love to have Peter Volandis as their head, because this is something I haven't told many people. You know, this is that um, I was looking at doing a documentary on the Kosciuszko race, which is on the same day as the Everest race, yep. which is more about country races, uh, country trainers, and country horses, yep. which is raced on the Everest um, on the Re- Everest race day. And um, it, long story short, it, it didn't get over the line because mainly because of sponsors. But one of the sponsors that we're, we're negotiating with was Lion, the um, the Tui's beer manufacturer. Um, and the, the Lion were in a war with Carlton United Breweries to, to get the rights to sell the beer on the Everest race day. And this went all the way down to the last day. And the big thing here was that the AJC were pushing for the Carlton United to come in because the person running the AJC was with mates with someone from Carlton United and Lyon was up against it to keep this beer contract. So what happened right at the last minute, guess who they bring into the meeting? Volandis. Peter Volandis. <laughs> and Peter more or less said, under my, over my dead body that you're going to sell Victorian beer on my fucking race course. <laughs> and guess what? Guess who won that contract? Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I know the answer. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> But this is a sort of this is a sort of guy. He goes into those meetings. He's like a bulldog, and just says, "This is what's going to happen." And usually, it happens. I mean, he's a he's a great bloke, but I, I'd hate to be working under him too, because he's the sort of guy that just comes in and says, oh, "I've made this decision, you know, make it happen." And I've heard stories where you know someone will come to him and say, "Peter, this is just you, you, you're asking too much of us here," and he'll turn around to him and say, "Okay, if it's too much for you, I will find someone by the end of the day that will get it done." Do you think he'll be in rugby league? Much longer, I think so because he loves rugby league. He really loves. I mean, it's surprising, you know, from, you know his, his heritage that he is uh, such a rugby league supporter because he, he grew up watching rugby league. And um, he, he, you know, I, I question the fact whether he'd be able to do two, you know, two sports, mm. you know, with two caps. But he does it well because he's got you know a, a very good foundation at New South Wales racing that pretty much runs itself. Um, apart from when he makes those, those snap decisions. Um, and, and it gives him the time to do that stuff at, at, uh, at the NRL. But as soon as he got on that board, you knew that he that's that's what he wanted to do. And thank God for rugby league, he did. Is it true all the people that have said no to him are buried on the infield of the Randwick race course? <laughs> <laughs> Some of the things I've said to him, I'm, I'm, it's a wonder I'm not in there. <laughs> I want to see a rugby league game on the Harbour Bridge. Yeah. <laughs> Is it true that the horses are going to have to wear e-tags if they run across the Harbour Bridge? <laughs> and, it, and is it true? But a few of the ones I've backed at Why I wouldn't even get that. <laughs> wouldn't, they wouldn't worry the speed camera. Put it that way. And is it true you're going to you're going to get in his ear and get him on uh, full credit to the boys for an interview? <laughs> You, you know what? Like I, I can ask for is because I reckon he's the sort of guy that would do that. I, I, even um, I did a story the other day on you know that um, Super Coach where you people, yeah I've seen you that know, story. It was a good story. Yeah, it was an eight, eight year old kid who was in the top hundred out of you know over one hundred and fifty thousand people in it. It's a you know I think through the Telegraph um, and um, 
And I thought, how good would it be to get Peter Volandi to say something about this kid? And he said, yeah, no worries. You know, and I think his, his grab was, people like Sebastian inspire people like me. And like, imagine the eight-year-old sitting at home thinking, wow, look at this, you know. Um, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a lovely chap and he always gives his time. It's almost like, and you know, you could call him up and say, I, need, I want to do a live cross with you. He'd do it, you know, within a heartbeat. And he doesn't ask, what are you going to ask? You know, yeah. which is, this is another thing, you know, a lot of, a lot of um, people that run other codes, you, you get there and they go, oh, so what, what are you going to ask me? What are you going to ask me? Well, we, are, we, we, interviewed oh, his, we interviewed his predecessor, Michael, and uh, we had to send our questions through, spoiler alert, but that was fine. But uh, yeah, Peter, Peter yeah. Beattie came on the show and he, he was he was good fun, but that was one of the stipulations. We had to send through the questions. Yeah. One yeah. of the only times well, we've had to think, do that. You know, people, people in that position, what do you got to hide? You know, I mean, you know, if, if you've got a question, you answer it. You know, sometimes it might be difficult, but, you know, that's 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 why you're in that position. You know, um, it, it amazes me that there's some people that are, you know, in, in good big positions and they're, they're former lawyers and, and they're media people, you know, ask for the, the questions and you sort of think, so if these guys are lawyers, I'm pretty sure they can answer it, you know? Yep. Um, but it's, I don't know, it's the, it's, I suppose it's a, it's the guarded reaction you have with media and, and it's, the, it's, the, it's the game I'm in where people are worried. They see too many shitty current affair stories where they're all just carve-ups and, and so they think that every time someone points a camera at them, it's, it's going to be a piece of shit story and, and <laughs> you know, it's not. You know, so sometimes you, you actually want a good story. Um, but you know, it just makes it hard, but I suppose, you know, there's other people, you know, in, in other networks, even sometimes in our own network, which, you know, can spoil it for everyone else. Mate, as a bloke who works in the media scrum, in the NRL media scrum, how hard is it to get Danny Weidler out of your shots? Oh, <laughs> mate, honestly, honestly Dan, Dan, Danny, Danny's a... Danny's a rare species. <laughs> Thankfully, <laughs> he, um, you know, oh, honestly, the, the best days was when Masood was still working in the media, and because da- Danny and Masood absolutely hated each other, and I never had a drama with either of them. So, what would happen was that, like, I remember at Concord, it was something. It might have been a Robbie Sarah thing, you know, you know. Um, and I went into the car park, and I, I went over to Masood first. I started talking to him. And then all of a sudden, you know, I thought I'd better do the right thing. So I walked across the other side and here's Widler. And Widler goes, and, you know, he puts his, puts his hand up to his face, you know, what are you doing talking to, to him? <laughs> and I said, oh, I've got no beef with anyone. Like, you know, I've talked to anyone, you know. And he said, mate, that's like dancing with the devil. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then we- I just thought, wow. You know, I, I know times when, when Danny will um, – you know, he's got a breaking story. You know, he's very guarded. And the thing is, in this game, you've got cameramen. You've got some cameramen that work full-time for Channel 9, 7, and 10. And you've got freelancers that might work one day for 9, the next day for 10, the next day for 7. You know, they get where the, they, they just go where the work is. So, anyway, there was a guy once, he said, we, you know, this is the cameraman, because you get to speak to all these cameramen all the time. And we're talking about Danny, and we walk. He goes, all of a sudden, Danny gets in the car, and he goes, just... Just go towards Canberra. <laughs> so he's driving towards Canberra, and he got halfway through. And he goes, "Mate, what, what what are we doing?" He goes, "Mate, we're driving to Melbourne." <laughs> what? And he's like, "What?" He's like, "Mate, I, I got to be back. I got wife and kids, you know." No, no, you know. And and he wouldn't tell him what the story was about because 
because the fact that Danny knew he was a freelancer and that you know he may have worked for Channel Seven yesterday, he could text Masood and next thing you know he's stories. You know, it's that serious, and it's wow. it really is that serious. Well, certainly back then it was. You know, where it was, it was about breaking stories, and it's almost like you know if he knew that Channel Seven had a big scoop, then he had to try and find something. You know, um, and I, I don't know. It's it, it, that that's part of the, the part of the, the game that I don't like. You know, yeah. um, it's because I, I, I again, you just want good stories, and you, you you get what you you know. But I suppose at the end of the day, when they're on big big bucks, they have to produce the goods, and and that's the pressure that they're on, and that's why you see some. I don't know. I try to find some desperate stories sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, Danny certainly. Um, yeah, he, he loves to be in your in the picture, and it's sort of hard to cut him out sometimes. In, in, in saying that, Michelle Bishop's very much similar lately as well. Interesting. Hey, uh, it's interesting you say and she that. likes kissing people. Too. Yeah, what about that? <laughs> Has she got money on uh, Canberra this week, or what's that about? <laughs> she kisses all the all the players every time she sees them because she knows she goes way back. She remember she was a, a you know I think she was the media manager for the. For, for the eels years ago, so she knows them all, and it's just one of those pecks on the cheek. I don't think there was anything to it, you know. It was just a case of you know just forgetting. But um, you know, I, I suppose you know you, you learn from that. But you know, I suppose in these COVID nineteen days, you got to be very very careful. So she's taken from Masood's place over at Channel Seven, who you, <laughs> who, who, who Widler says is like dancing with the devil, which is makes it hard to sell ice cream to kids. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll tell you a story. My very first day with Channel 10, I nearly went, nearly got in Disney cuffs with Masood over a Valentine home story. Like, it was like, uh, we're staking out his place down in Sutherland. And, and um, Gavin all said, oh, he's not talking, he's not talking, you know. And next thing you know, I saw Channel 7 setting up for an interview down in the park. I'm like, no, this is, there's something going on here. And so Masood started walking into the uh, the premises and I'm sort of walking behind. And I said, the camera can't just follow him. And all of a sudden, you know, he turned around and said, stop. This is private property. Get off. And I said, I said, Josh, it's not your fucking private property. You fuck off too. You know, and, and it got really heated and, you know, and it was like, this is my first day and this guy didn't know who the hell I was, you know. And I remember um, two weeks later, I ran into Yvonne Sampson and for the first time I met her, you know, and I sort of said, oh, it's Michael Cope from Channel 10. And she went, um, oh, you're the guy that told Josh Masood off. You're a fucking legend. <laughs> Uh, and he, he did say it wouldn't look like he'd knock a, a fly off a chop, so I know nah. what he was going to do to you. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it get, like I say, it, it gets back to you know the, you, you want you want the best stories for for your for your um your the place you work, um, and it, it does get that serious sometimes on the on the road. But you know, there's other people that I've you know, I'm really good friends with, like, you know, like Neil Breen. You know, some great stories with him. You know, going away. Um, just decent people that you, know, you just know that's the reason why they, they're they doing it because they love their job. Um, and it's just when you start taking it a bit too seriously, that's when it sort of, I don't know, just becomes silly. Mate, before we, uh, forgetting that it's your day off, so before we finish up, we've held you for so long, two things. How old is Tim Bailey? He's got to be like seven, hasn't he? <laughs> I, um, I think we were talking about this uh, about six months ago because uh, the thing is, I remember that when I was young, he was on the telly, yeah, you know, and yeah. he, uh, I think he's pushing 60, which, which is pretty good. You know, like he, he's a, he's a survivor. Um, 
And look, he, he's, and he's, he's pushing. I, I'll tell you what, with Tim Bailey, this is a lot of things people don't know, is that Tim Bailey makes more money. Um, he's, he's actually got a um, uh, an air conditioning business on the north northern beaches of Sydney called The Weatherman. Oh, wow. Geez. Of course and he does. he actually makes more money from the, from that business than anything that he has made on television, in fact, to the point where he actually owns or part owner of a resort on the Cook Islands. So wow. when you see yeah, them giving away, you know, you know, holidays to the Cook Islands on the weather, um, that's that's his resort. No wonder he looks so tanned. You said he's... <laughs> he, he's Mate, he, he was looking a bit like Trump for a while there. <laughs> he, he's 60, but his forehead's 12, apparently. <laughs> 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 but well, you got to give it to him. I say, you know, television is a hard gig, and um, and one thing about it, one of the best things about it is that where I sit, you know, you can watch him in action, and it's not easy to get in front of live television and just let it happen. And he does it every day without a beat, doesn't skip a beat. Um, and it's live live television is the hardest thing going. You know, it's it's not easy. Um, you know, because I, I'm terrible with you know. I'm, I do I do good live crosses, but it's almost like I'm one of those guys that I'm very forgetful. I'm 49. I'm starting to lose my marbles a bit. So a lot of the times, you know, I'll write it all down and then I'll say, right, after about 30 seconds, let's go into vision because I've got to read the rest of this because I can't remember a frigging <laughs> word after that, you know. And then it comes back to me and it looks seamless. <laughs> if you've got so, a, if if you've got Moral an ear story, to... Don't keep the camera on me the whole time. <laughs> if you've got an ear to uh, Tim Bailey... Point him to our, our YouTube channel where I did a tribute song to the great man. <laughs> well, well, I could try and rustle him onto the show as well. Perfect. That'd be great. That'd be really good. Yeah, good. Kaney, mate, thanks very much for joining us here at Full Crew, the boys. As you people have probably heard, he's one of the best blokes going around. Don't forget, you can follow this bloke on Twitter, Kaney10, Instagram, Kaney10, or watch him on Channel 10 News where he files some of the best good news rugby league stories going around. And next time he files a story, he's going to throw out a full credit to the boys. So make sure you tune in. I'll do it just for you in a live cross. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, brother. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Full credit to the boys. Be the sparky, then make the call to NDF Electrical. Do you need electrical work done? NDF Electrical provides expert service and advice on a wide range of commercial and residential projects. With over 23 years experience, NDF Electrical have you covered for all your electrical needs from the Gold Coast, Tweedheads, Byron Bay and everywhere in between. For a free quote, go to ndfelectrical.com.au. NDF Electrical. Well, thanks to uh, NDF Electrical, it's time for podcasts' number one segments in all the world. It's time for this. Yes, it's time for Grammar Mirrors. Like I said, thanks to NDF Electrical. Now, don't forget you can reply to my original tweet on Tuesdays. It's around 7.30. Use the hashtag Grammar Mirror or hashtag GAM. I do a backup tweet at around 3.30, 4.30 today. Uh, again, use the hashtag grab a mirror or hashtag GAM. Tuesdays on. only except this week. It's a Wednesday. <laughs> Maybe next week will be Thursday. Who knows? Uh, I'm going to go first. Yeah, you go first, man. Grab a mirror, the Guinness Book of Records. What have they done to you? Well, let me start with this. Robert Whiten uh, recently croaked it. 
Uh, and he was aged 112 years old. Valet, good sir. Uh, he was born in 1908 and died just seven days after those absolute bastards at the Guinness Book of Records handed him a certificate to say he was the world's oldest man and that thus put the greatest mock in history on a bloke. Well, maybe that's just what he was waiting for. Well, Mr. Whiten, who was born in Yorkshire in the north of England, like I said, in 1908, was officially named the world's oldest man after Chietsu Watanabe from China, Died on February 23 this year, aged 112 years and 355 days. Unbelievably, Mr. Watanabe was given a certificate from those bastards at the Guinness Book of Records just nine days before he kicked the bucket as well. Here's a tip to a few of our older listeners, Sid. If you're approaching the century mark and those murdering bastards from the Guinness Book of Records knock on your door, (laughs) tell them to piss off. (laughs) Anyway... Just weeks before Mr. Whiten's death, he was interviewed about his earliest memories from such an extraordinary life. Mr. Whiten said he vaguely remembers the first ever John Farnham farewell tour. <laughs> he remembered before colour TVs that a man with lots of makeup presenting the weather named Tim Bailey uh, talked about drips and drops of croft roost tops or something. <laughs> He also remembers when mullets were cool, which makes him think he's a dickhead. Uh, but also, as an avid rugby league fan, Mr. Whiten um, said his earliest memories were when a young Cameron Smith first, first played after World War II. Uh, Gus Gould had a five-year plan. Uh, Ray Warren started calling reserve grade after World War I. And that one time, the footy show was funny. Um, however, <laughs> what a great memory he's got. <laughs> how matter, no matter how hard he tried, he said he couldn't remember a time when all the Queensland teams were good. Uh, now, before his death, uh, Chiatsu Watanabe, the old shagger from China, said yep. his saddest memories when he re- said when he realised that John Rebo was full of shit when he said rugby league was going to be played in China. <laughs> but his funniest memory was from earlier this year when AFL great Mick Malthouse threatened to take the Port Power St Kilda game away from <laughs> Shanghai in a payback for coronavirus. But anyway, grab a posthumous mirror, Robert Whiten and Chiatsu Watanabe, you magnificent pair of old bastards. The only thing I know that's older than you is that condom in my wallet. Equal 10. At Lunge Bar. Says, grab a mirror, dickhead protesters. For fuck's sake, we've all spent the last three months living in ISO and you pricks think it's okay to wander down the main drag, risking more of this goddamn virus getting around the place, potentially robbing us from going to the footy. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Well put. Good argument. That's uh, at lunch bar, in case you're wondering. (laughs) Equal 10. At Harry underscore Hermit. Grab a mirror Thursday night football. What kind of dickhat thought that up? Trying to stay sober enough to drive at 6am Friday when the game doesn't start until 8pm Thursday is ridiculous. It's tough, man. It's tough. Equal 10. At efficient, not lazy. Grab a mirror at Ned's AUS. I believe that's some sort of gambling agency. Oh, is that a betting agency? Mm. Ned's. Mm. I've never heard of them. No. Um, Battlers. I had a 13-leg multi running on Sunday. I got zero legs up. <laughs> Surely that's worth something. Hashtag rough punt. Hashtag can gamble. Who said that? At efficient, not lazy. Efficient, not lazy. No one can ever bag me again. Go bag <laughs> efficient, not lazy. 13 leg and he got them all wrong. And I said to him, at Bluebet AU, we'll look after you. Absolutely, they will. Equal 10. Bet Australian, bet Bluey. At Lambretta, GP 1971. Grab a mirror. At Sid Punts. Hey. You magnificent bastard. Oh, it's all right. Last week's Rebecca Juggs journalist grab, a mirror, was one of your best. 
Remember to let us know when Sid Cheller is on this year. I'll bring the beers if you bake the cake. Hashtag green cakes permitted. Hashtag no mango beer allowed. Well, thank you very much, Lambretta, for your grab a mirror. Uh, it is true. Last week, my grab a mirror, it hit a nerve. There was a lot of people who uh, liked it. Um, so it got me thinking during the week that I really need to create a new segment. And I've done it without your permission, former. I've come up with a new segment. Let me just play it to you right now. I'm just an ordinary girl. Sometimes I'm lazy. I get bored. I get scared. I feel ignored. I feel happy. I think we can all agree that uh, hopefully the segment's better than the song because <laughs> you started from a very low base, my friend. That's my jingle for my Beck Jugs update. <laughs> Not sure how often I'm going to do this. But I went down a rabbit hole last week and I went down that hole again this week and I looked up how many headlines have been there this week about Beck Judd, Beck Juggs. Um, so let me just read you what was in the last five days. Here's the first headline. Beck Judd buys a $90 candle in quick shopping spree in Melbourne. <laughs> what is going on? Beck Juggs orders dinner. Rebecca ordered a partially cooked pork cutlet meal worth $42 from the high-end restaurant Maha, as well as $39 worth of sides and desserts. Now, I'm assuming... I'd those... say Maha's just fixed that bill up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm assuming those sides were chips and gravy and potato <laughs> gems, and the dessert was a Viennetta, but I can't be sure, because I'm going to be fucked reading that article. I'm pretty sure she'd be a deep-fried ice cream kind of girl. <laughs> the third one, and this is a heartwarming story for me. On Friday, this came out. Beck Juggs is going to miss her son when he goes back to school this week. Fascinating stuff, <laughs> and that's this week's Beck Jugs update. I'm just an ordinary girl. Sometimes I'm lazy. I get bored. I get scared. I feel ignored. I feel happy. It's a good segment, isn't it? Oh, it's a better segment than this song. I'll give How it much that. have you got that song stuck in your head? Come on, Miley. Uh, at Latrell's. Wait, ad- wait. What number oh, are we up to? Equal 10. At Latrell's advisor. Has- <laughs> hashtag grab a mirror. At KO Sports, put a minute. When I can't log in to watch the NRL, I don't want to get a reply that that shouldn't have happened while the free month is good. Oh, how much would that annoy you? Oh, let me tell you. And I'm going to be frustrated by not being able to log in for another month. Hashtag Mrs. Sexually Frustrates Me Enough. Hashtag Glad I'm No Dragons Fan. You know what the I'm worst sure thing about. should have brought your missus into that. Yeah. Uh, I hope she's not listening. I wouldn't think so. Um, you know what I hate, I hate about that KO thing? Because now two weeks in a row I've had KO issues. Yeah. All right? And I know for a fact that when rugby comes back on, not one rugby uh, follower who tries to watch it on KO will have any dropout issues whatsoever. What are you saying? Well, no one will be watching. No, exactly. (laughs) Equal 10. I'll be watching if the Tigers don't win this week. (laughs) I'm back onto the... um, (laughs) Where was the soccer world? Nicaraguan soccer. Yeah, or the racist AFL. <laughs> nah, I'm not onto that. At Horatio underscore McMutt. <laughs> Every time you say that, I love it. Grab a mirror. <laughs> at Buzz Rothfield. Put him in it. At, Good. At Dave Rick one. Put him in it. Good. At nine underscore Molly. Put him in it. Oh, it's getting a bit tedious. At Bulldog Richie. Put him in it. Good. Paul Crawley. Go on. He's not on there. <laughs> James Hooper, who's not on there, and other, in inverted commas, journos. Stop peddling half-assed bullshit clickbait stories that end up being changed and altered an hour later when proven to be bullshit. Hashtag gossip isn't journalism. Hashtag no better than new idea. 
totally agree. But I love when they give Rebecca Judd stories. <laughs> Equal 10. That's true news. At Common Fear. Hashtag, I couldn't agree more with this either. Hashtag grab a mirror, vets and families. The free mutt of a dog that I got given for, all, for nothing is about to cost me almost $3,000 because vets are a rip-off and my kids won't let me. Hashtag take him to the farm. He'll <laughs> be so much happier at the farm. Everyone will be happier. Uh, just look into the distance. Look at the sunrise. It's beautiful. It's a... Uh, <laughs> Hashtag it would be cheaper for a new dog. Hashtag we'll have to sell myself to pay for it. Hashtag 20 bucks is 20 bucks. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do, bro. Equal 10. At. How many equal 10s are there? Well, you like this. At common fear. Hashtag grab a mirror. Night shifts. I had two mid-strength beers with lunch and I feel like I've been on a hashtag bender. Hashtag water sleep. Hashtag still going to the pub tonight. Hashtag. Never miss a chance. I went to the pub the other day. It was very disappointing. Yeah. I still went. You're better than that. Three days in a row. Equal 10. Another equal 10. Get on with it. At Milram361. Surely we could have cut Milram out. <laughs> Save some time. Hashtag, What's he got? Hashtag grab a mirror my work shoes. I shine you. I polish you. I give you new laces. I let you drink beer slash gin slash vodka slash port and drizzle kebab sauce on you. Then, on a wet Sydney Arvo, you spring a leak. Where is the respect? <laughs> the quid pro quo. Me and my socks hate you. Hashtag grab a mirror. Nine. Hey, we're up to nine. At Omaha underscore club. Grab a mirror at Cam Smith nine. Put him in it. For shaving that magnificent beard. The fact the refs didn't recognise you and calls went against the storm is exactly how undercover boss is supposed to work. <laughs> Hashtag ref, ref's boss. Hashtag beer was back by full time. Very good. Eat. I like it. At two flies punting. Hashtag grab a mirror, the Illawarra board, keeping Mary as the coach and blaming the players and blame tap-ons and bat-ons and tries from kicks as to why at NRL underscore dragons keep losing. It's obvious why we've lost the last two games. We're wearing those disgustingly shit all red jerseys. We need hashtag red V. There's so many things wrong with that club. Jerseys are the least your <laughs> <Yeah>. worries. <laughs> Seven. Uh, at cricket flog. Hashtag grab a mirror. At the NRL, put them in it. When you eventually burn down a grandstand because everyone ignores a smoke alarm thinking it's just six again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hashtag Mary plays with matches, doesn't win matches. <laughs> six. At Mr. Barjas. Hashtag grab a mirror. The Bargy, old... you should change your name to Mr. Barjas McMutt. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. I think it's taken. Oh. Um, 69. Um <laughs> Hashtag grab a mirror, the old stoner that called the cops to report someone knocking off a few of his plants from his crop while being that fucked up he didn't realise he was actually dogging himself in. I love it when shit like that happens. Nice one. Five. At Eels, TCT. McMutt. The Cumberland, the Cumberland McMutt throne. <laughs> grab a mirror. At Andrew RLP McMutt. <laughs> For once again, using the podcast to make another subtle reference to his giant bed flute. I don't even remember him doing that. Hashtag statistics. <laughs> Very good. Four. At Troy Wright. At Troy T. Wright. Both Hello, of them. Troy. McMutt. Fuck, he gave me some stick during the week when the Tigers lost. 
Oh, he's one of them blokes. Yeah, isn't he's he? one of them. And he's Actually, got, don't read he's it got out. Him number Troy McMutt. <laughs> get, get rid of him. Get, get him off. What's he got to say? Hashtag <laughs> grab a mirror. All residents of Junee. Citizens of the world are tearing down their offensive and embarrassing statues, yet that disfigured pigeon shit target you have, which is supposed to be Ray Warren, still stands. Now's your chance. Hashtag I'm with Voss. Good point. Could I have a go now? Go. All right. Grab a mirror. Alice Cutter. Do you know who she is, former? I think I know her brother, Dick. (laughs) Let me tell you who Alice Cutter is. It's a bit hard for me to say. Alice Cutter. She is a putrid, racist, dog shit human who has been arrested this week for being part of a Nazi terror group. She's, in not, the, she's not a studio tennis. In the UK. <laughs> the headline from the ever reliable Daily Mail reads <laughs> Former Miss Hitler beauty pageant contestant. Miss Hitler. <laughs> jailed for part in neo Nazi terror group. Now, here's some fantastic police work, former. Somehow figuring that any scrag that would enter a Miss Hitler beauty pageant name would be part of a Nazi group. Top five Miss Hitlers. <laughs> I'm not going to name any <laughs> Hitler stuff. Uh, so they've uh, they've narrowed it down to realise that a Miss Hitler uh, contestant is actually part of a Nazi group. Colour me shocked. <laughs> actually, don't colour me at all when these people are around. 23-year-old Alice, Cunt, uh, Alice Cutter and her partner were arrested this week when police stormed their home and found amongst some atrocious racist material that I won't go into here and text messages talking about committing heinous crimes, they also found his and hers knitted swastika pyjamas. These people are losers. They also found a wedding edition of Hitler's Mein Kampf Next to the couple's recent wedding photos. Those uh, onesies, those bedtime onesies, full credit the boys dot big cartel. <laughs> they also found a wedding edition of Hitler's Mein Kampf next to the couple's recent wedding photos that due to COVID-19 restrictions and a distinct lack of friends, the wedding was only attended by cardboard cutouts of Matty Johns and Brian Fletcher. <laughs> Yeah. Who says you can't do Hitler gear? <laughs> <laughs> now, due to this uh, hitting the headlines, a local TV show entitled Miss Hitler that was going to be run in Australia with Sam Armitage hosting <laughs> and having a panel including Eddie Maguire and Nathan Buckley <laughs> will no longer be screened in Australia. It was due to be launched this week to coincide with the relaunch of the AFL season. <laughs> But it shan't be going ahead. So anyway, grab a mirror, racists. We are all the same. Stop being small-minded, hateful, AFL-following bastards. Three. At blocked user 2217. He used to be McMutt 2217. <laughs> Seriously, after you said McMutt, every other one, I'll just put McMutt after him in my head. Uh, hashtag grab a mirror tradies you are literally the only job sector to have their own line of undies yet you still can't manage the simple task of pulling them up to cover your plumber's crack hashtag hairy coin slot hashtag blame the tools hashtag fuck the honey badger very good point two at centre radical radical centre Australia grab a mirror Will Callahan. do you know who he is Mm-mm. he's a little kid that was 
lost in the bush for the last two days. Oh, yeah. They found him. Yeah, found him today. That's Grab a good. mirror, Will Callahan, the little bloke lost and found in Victoria. You are now undisputed Australian hide-and-seek champion for 2020. Fantastic that you are now safe and amazing effort by those who found you. Oh, that's lovely. What got number one this week? One. At Big Mac Keeper. McMutt. <laughs> Grab a mirror, McMutt Titans players who didn't sing the words to their victory song last week after beating the Tigers and just clapped along. Looked and sounded like a Millie Vanilli concert. Hashtag fake singers. Hashtag clap along. Hashtag review that, Meninga. I didn't actually watch that game, so I don't know what he's talking Definitely about. I didn't get to that point. We all want you to go grab a mirror. We're all hoping that you'll change your ways. No message could be any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a NRL round preview brought to you by Bluebet. Bet Australian, bet with Bluey at bluebet.com.au or download the app today. Yes, round five of the NRL. And uh, of course, when we talk NRL and we preview the round, we get this bloke on. He's a stat man. Andrew Ferguson from Rugby League Project. You can find him on Twitter at Andrew RLP or listen to his podcast, Fergo and the Freak, available on Spotify and other dusty uh, providers of podcasts. Andrew, how are you going, champion? Oh, good, thanks, guys. Yourself? Good. Now, you got a uh, grab a mirror mentioned tonight. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah. I was pretty confident I was going to get in. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, someone mentioned you in a grab a mirror. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, enough stalk talk. Um, <laughs> that's what your new segment should be called, stalk talk. Oh, there's a good segment. Um, let's start on... Um, a short segment for you, former. <laughs> very let's short. It's cold. <laughs> it is cold. Hung like an acorn. Um, let's start on Thursday night. Manny Waringa faced the inform Brisbane Broncos. <laughs> it's $1.21 Manly. It's $4.40 Brisbane Broncos with blue bet. What do you reckon here, Andrew? What are the stats saying? Uh, over their last six games, the Broncos have conceded almost half a point per minute of game time. Yes. Yet still won more games than Paul McGregor has. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Um, seeing that it's this is at Central Coast, right? Single Mother Stadium. Yes. Um, who are you backing, Andrew? Manly by about 51. Interesting. Yeah. I agree. Hopefully, Manly go for an early field goal as well. <laughs> Manly will win in a canter. I think Manly will win, but I'm expecting an improved Broncos side. Oh, is that because Ben Teo, your boyfriend's in? Watch him go, mate. Watch no, him whatever. go. Uh, Friday. He's a washed-up rugby player. <laughs> He's a fresh rugby league player. Um, Friday, and the New Zealand uh, Tamworth Warriors take on the North Queensland Cowboys up there at Single Mother Stadium. It's two dollars sixty-five. The Warriors. It's a dollar forty-eight. The Talmalolo-led Cowboys. Write that down, Sid. Talmalolo's um, <laughs> playing. Just let me write that down. Andrew, what are the stats saying, mate? Uh, both of the last two games between these sides were decided by seven points, which is more points than what the Dragons have scored in their last one hundred and seventy-seven minutes of game time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who are you backing, mate? I'm, I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Yeah, me too. I'm taking them with the uh, minus six. 
Yeah, I don't think they will play as bad as they did last week again. Uh, although I wouldn't mind seeing the Tamworth Warriors win a few more times this year. It'd be good. Uh, like I said, $2.65 with Bluebet for the Warriors. That seems like good, good coin, Sid. Not with Tal Malolo <laughs> playing. Uh, the second game on Friday night, well, it's the Battle of the West. Um, it is the Battle of the West. Everyone's calling it that. Eels take on the Panthers at Wankapest Stadium. Uh, Bluebet have the Eels at $1.43. They have the Penny Panthers. Get this at $2.80. Andrew, what are the stats saying? Mitch Moses has scored 43 points this year, which is just one less than the Dragons. <laughs> uh, who are you backing, mate? I'm going with, with Parramatta here. Yeah, I'm going Parramatta in the Battle of the West. I'm actually going 1 to 12, $2.75 with Bluebet. I'm going the Panthers. You're an uh, idiot. They you know can't why? attack. You know why? They can attack. They I can't love, attack. I love their attacking nah, flair. They can't attack. Uh, Saturday, the South Sydney Rabbitohs take on the Gold Coast Titans. Bluebet have the South Sydney Rabbitohs at $1.25. They have the Titans. The high-flying Gold Coast Titans. Fresh off a win, $3.95. History shows they win once, they win twice uh, in a year. Andrew, what are the stats saying? Uh, Both the Titans and South have won 25% of their games since Sam Burgess retired. That's a million percent more than the Dragons have in the same time. Very good. Well, who's going to win? A very revealing stat, and obviously that makes you think that who's going to win? South. <laughs> yeah, South will win, but yeah. uh, their fullbacks are concerned. I'm not sure if I've mentioned that before. Dollar <laughs> uh, twenty-five says that's easy money. South will win that. Certainly is. Um, also on Saturday, the Newcastle Knights take on the Melbourne Storm. Bluebird have the Knights at two dollars thirty-five. They have the Storm at a dollar sixty. Andrew, stats. Uh, Cameron Smith has played 110 games since the Knights last beat the Storm. Even Paul McGregor has won a game as coach in that time. <laughs> what are you thinking? Uh, Storm here. Yeah, look, the high-flying Newcastle Knights. Caelan Ponga is amazing. I'm going the Storm. I'm going the Knights. One. I'm going the Knights. Well, your tips are no good anyway after well, last week. I mean, Jeez, you fell in a hole there. Did not what? We'll have to check where you are on the ladder. You're not bragging about it this week, <laughs> are you? <laughs> uh, and the final game, well, it's the game we've all waited for. Um, on Saturday, the West Tigers take on the Canberra Raiders at Campbelltown the, at the Meth Lab. It's $3.25, the West Tigers. Not enough. It's $1.34, the Canberra Raiders with Bluebet. Andrew, what are your stats saying? The last four games the Raiders played against the Tigers side that was without Benji Marshall in it, they scored a total of 206 points, and Mitch Moses played in three of those games. Uh, what are you tipping? Well, I'm going to go with the Tigers, obviously. I'm going the Tigers. I'm going the Raiders. The Grubs back. <laughs> Got rid of the dead wood, Benji Marshall. Um, Pretty much everything that I said that they should have gotten rid of in that Stupid club that I follow. Madge, after I rang him during the week, Madge has done what I told him to. I'm expecting an improved performance. This is a Canberra away game at their home ground at Campbelltown, which is sometimes our home ground. We'll win. The Tigers will win. That's $3.25. It's going to be a rough punt. I've talked myself into it. I'm back. I follow the Tigers again. Let's just hope Reynolds passed the COVID test. Um, the Canberra-Bankstown Bulldogs are taking on the Roosters. Good luck. Roosters. Uh, <laughs> it's the first... Roosters will win. Look at the odds. <laughs> it's the first game on Sunday. 
$6.75, the Bulldogs coming the off. Money for Jeff. Fresh off a win against the high-flying Dragons. $1.11, the Roosters. If they can beat the Dragons, they can beat the Roosters, <laughs> you'd imagine. Uh, Andrew, what are the stats saying about the Bulldogs' chances? Uh, Dean Pay has won 37.5% of his last 48 games as coach, which is identical to Paul McGregor. <laughs> yeah, but not with the same list. Um, what are you thinking, mate? Surely you couldn't, could you? Roosters by about 54. Yeah, I'm going Roosters 13 plus. That's the last leg of my uh, Sid's rough punt this week. I'll reveal all in a minute. I hope the uh, Roosters go out hard and fast, uh, set a total and then declare and send the Bulldogs in before lunch. <laughs> um, St. George Illawarra Dragons. Well, they take on the Cronulla Sharks. Sharks will win. <laughs> Sharks will win. It's $2.80, the high-flying Dragons. Fresh off a secured coach uh, announcement. It's $1.43, the Sharks. Shane Flanagan against his old club. Anything could happen. Uh, Bluebet have offered those odds. Andrew, what are you thinking? Uh, Cronulla has won 71.43% of their games that have been played on June 14. In comparison, St. George Illawarra and the Merchant George Illawarra side have a combined 35.71% success rate. Well, that's very telling. So they're due. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I'm going Cronulla Yeah, I'm going Cronulla as well But uh, I just noticed Bluebet.com.au odds You can get some value Canterbury Bank's down 13 plus over the Roosters <laughs> It's $21 And the Dragons 13 plus over Cronulla 720 Combined total of 150 to 1 <laughs> uh, If you want to waste some money There's an option for everyone I shan't be going either of those. Cronulla will win. Cronulla will win this and they'll win it well. I just, surely they'll show something, the Dragons. Won't they? Who knows? Who knows? He's only got four games, which is up from two games last week to prove his worth, Mary. Uh, After the next four games, he's got another year and a half. (laughs) He's got eight weeks. Who who knows with that club? We'll give you two months to prove it. Uh, Andrew, any other news before we uh, send you off? Nah, nothing's going on my end. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, check out Andrew's fantastic website, the Rugby League Project. You can uh, donate to his Patreon there. You can find him on Twitter at Andrew RLP. You can find him on Grinder if you look hard enough, and you can find his him OnlyFans page. <laughs> find him on yeah, Subscribe OnlyFans, where he does most of his work, Pooh Bear style, the shirt on but the pants off. He, he dances on TikTok. <laughs> you can find him everywhere. Other than that, he's quite shy. <laughs> right, brother, we'll talk to you next week. Catch you, guys. Well, before we head off into away from that burning dumpster of a fire that is our <laughs> weekly tips, what do you got for this week's rough punt? Well, let me tell you. It's good doing it on a Wednesday. I know who's playing in each team <laughs> as opposed to last week where we had a bit of a blowout. I don't want to talk about it. So this week I'm going the uh, North Queensland Cowboys to yes. win minus six. They've got to cover the start at $1.90. Who are they playing? Uh, they're playing the Warriors. Warriors. They'll easily cover the six start. Uh, then I've got Parramatta 1-12 to against the attack. Attackless Panthers <laughs> in the Battle of the West, uh, one to twelve. It's risky. Two dollars seventy-five for that bet. Uh, then I'm going into the Tigers because there's a bit of a rumor 
that a lot of the Raiders players will have to go into quarantine. <laughs> I mean, kissing blokes. <laughs> it's a bit dodgy down there. One bloke. <laughs> uh, West Tigers will win that, $3.25 with the grub. He's killing it at the moment. He's going to be great. And the Roosters, <laughs> he's due some luck, isn't he? He's due some luck. Um, did, and, you, did you get doubles on the way in, Josh? <laughs> no chance, brother. <laughs> what about the Roosters, 13-plus against the Bulldogs, are at lower odds than Bulldogs 1-12. to 12. <laughs> They're expecting a blowout. And I am too. So the Roosters, $1.53 at 13-plus. If you combine all of those, it's $25.98. Ring someone at Bluebet, see if they'll bump that up to $26. It's tell, an abs- tell them Sid told you. <laughs> yeah, they'll take your money on this bet. <laughs> now, I've had some good form this year. So uh, we're putting 50 bucks on that thanks to bluebet.com.au. That'll net us about 1400 bucks, and they'll be filthy because I'm due. It'll get up. So that's this week's Rough Punt. If you want to have a rough punt, then listen to this bloke said punt. Right, let's wind this up with a bit of this. Love the sound. Open the sack, empty the sack. The boy is sad. Fat fuck all to talk about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we've got jerseys. That's right, we've got jerseys. We've got the they look footy good jerseys. Too, don't they? they look good. Yep. Uh, the order goes in tonight. If you haven't placed your order, then you are taking the risk of us getting the size that you want for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much, because we have to put the order in. You've all been forewarned. Go on the website. What's the website, former? It's uh, fullcreditoftheboys.bigcartel.com. Wow. He took six seasons. Is that right? that is correct. And uh, in the comments section, put in what size you want. A lot of people have failed at the first hurdle there. (laughs) But uh, I think I've got all your orders now. I'll be ordering, ordering them very, very soon. In fact, by the time you hear this, it is too late. That's right. But still put an order in. I'll um, see what I can do. I know any- people. <laughs> is there anything else we need to say? No, go the Tigers this week. Uh, I'm talking, of course, the Richmond Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> Up against Collingwood, first game back. <laughs> uh, and as we do every week, I just want to finish off by saying Sample City through Trans Central. Basic face kick, elemental. Swings brings new technology. Okay, the L, the F, and the ology. Good night. But I ain't got all night Let's get it started, it'll be alright Am I gonna see some action, baby?